Race has no root in biology, but the impacts of race are still felt. Oh, you think, you think America's a racist country? Yeah. I'm not black, sure that black people, black people have more have... rights today. Black people don't have anywhere near the right to life that they had before Roe v. Wade, which is why more black babies oh, are murdered in the womb in New York City oh. born. Oh, I don't, boy, black do I gotta people, teach you about, black people uh, are... about some like racial issues. Can a man become a woman? These debates usually take place in the matrix. One person in one digital universe and then another person in another digital universe and it's reactions on reactions on reactions. And it's, it's too much. It's not conducive to human flourishing or productive discourse. And so today I have invited JJ, and he's graciously accepted, to come on over here and have this discussion in person. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. More from them in a moment. Now though, JJ, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Anytime. And it's not going to stop. We keep going. So back it's, we're going to keep going back and forth yep. in the matrix after this. Absolutely. Right. It doesn't stop. It's my job now. This all started because I was talking to another young liberal lady, mm-hmm. and I made the claim that when you have sex with somebody, mm-hmm. you are consenting to the possibility of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And you found this very objectionable. No. No, that was, that was nice you agree thought. with that? No, yeah, I do agree that you're consenting to the possibility okay. of pregnancy, but you said um, you're consenting to the possibility of pregnancy, and she agreed, and you said, well, if it's consent to the possibility, then it is consent to pregnancy. That's what I took the issue with, because I don't believe in any other scenario do we hold the concept of consenting to an action means that you're consenting to every feasible outcome of that action. But, but the possibility of pregnancy, the, the only end of that is Pregnancy. I'm not saying the possibility of pregnancy or this or that or some other thing. I'm saying the, the possibility that this action will result in a pregnancy would. I, I don't. I don't understand what the distinction would be. What do you mean only end of that? The, just that, the term possibility means that something could happen. So there's multiple possible outcomes of sex, right? So one thing that I like to pull from is. Not just the pregnancy aspect, because, again, I mentioned to you in one of our videos going back and forth that humans have sex for multiple reasons, and you took a little issue because you said, well, there's supposed to only be one reason. Mm-mm. But No, no, there are multiple reasons, but, there, but some reasons are more important than others. Yeah, and I would say that, um, especially if we're looking at what sex is naturally ordered to, sure, producing offspring is one of them, but also communication, relationship bonding, those are all very critical things that mm-hmm. also take part in a relationship. You can yeah. even have sex with the person and not further that relationship. There are various things that, you, that take place. Well, you'll, full, you'll further some sort of relationship. You'll further a relationship, but that uh, if you want to do hookups or if you wanted to do like a one-night stand or whatever, it could take place, but you don't need to furtherly engage with that person. So that, now, what if you have the hookup or the one-night stand mm-hmm. and maybe you're even using artificial contraception, but it doesn't work or it breaks and the girl gets pregnant? Well, then you're not going to have anything to do with her? That relationship's not going to... Go any further? Well, no. I think you could have nothing to do with somebody regardless of whether or not they get pregnant. You but could I'm have, asking in this specific case. In this specific instance, then it depends on what the two people want. If you guys like each other enough, you want to stay together, I'm not saying that you necessarily need to be like, kick them to the curb. I don't even know where that necessarily comes from. But again, sex has multiple different possibilities. It could be that someone gets pregnant. After that point, it could you want to still further the relationship. You could say you don't want to further the relationship. But That's not necessarily what the... Point is, the but point it, but is if you that, don't further the relationship, hmm? then you would be abandoning your child 
and the the woman See, that you've you've left. I'm going to take issue with that a little bit because I feel like you are there's this concept of an intuition pump, right? So if we use the term child, say? intuition pump. An intuition pump. Yeah, so what essentially it's when you push loaded emotional connotations into words that don't necessarily need them in a given scenario. So for example, if you're to say a child, right? Me and you aren't dumb. When we colloquially use the term child, we're, refer- we're referring to birthed people, people who are already born. No, I, I, I refer to offspring. Yeah, offspring. I mean, see, I can understand why you can use the term offspring, right? Because you are still referring to offspring when you say the word child. But if I say child or kid or even baby, those all three things are connotated of people who are born. And those are actually definitions. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, when, for instance, when my wife first became pregnant with our mm-hmm. first child, when, when she, before the baby was born, people would ask, oh, how's the baby doing? Mm-hmm. I would think about my future son, my, my child. I'd get the bedroom ready. We'd start mm-hmm. buying clothing. So I, I certainly, when, when I would refer to my child, I would be referring do you to know, the baby in the womb. Do you know why? You were referring to it as a child? Because it's my child. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but also under the, you were under the impression that that child was going to be born, correct? When people ask, how's the baby doing? And, and that also works the other way, because a lot of times you can say it's impolite to ask necessarily if you don't know someone's pregnant. Well, you don't want to call someone fat. Yeah, you don't want to call someone fat, yeah. but you also don't want to assume that like either everything is just peachy or that they want to keep that pregnancy. Well, I want to assume that someone is not going to murder her child. I, I do make Well, that, that you're factually wrong on that because murder is a specific legal definition. You could say it should be murder, but if you're going to assume that they're going to murder their child, that is assuming that the killing is unlawful. And well, no, that's also assuming that abortion it, it, is... It is unlawful because it's... It is not merely... moral law, maybe, but not... Law, law. I, I don't what, know what, what I don't know what the, law you're talking about, which no, uh, talking abortion about the, is the natural law and the moral law from which we derive the civil and what do you mean law. natural law and moral law? I mean laws that are true for all people at all times. So we have certain civil laws and positive laws. You know, uh, the state of Louisiana might have a different kind of traffic law than the state of New York, mm-hmm. but there are certain laws like um, it is wrong to commit murder that are true for all people at all times. Mm, yes, and so, because... And, and so the way that we get our civil law and our positive law is in part by uh, deducing certain conclusions from the moral and natural. Yeah, but you're also shoehorning in the legal term while trying to define why it's wrong for, like, everybody. Well, no, what murder, I, what murder I mean, has been understood to be wrong since... Yeah, no, what I mean by that is that the term murder is the unlawful killing of a person, right? But if someone kills somebody in self-defense, that's not an unlawful killing. It's it still killing. Murder. Yeah, it wouldn't, yeah be. it wouldn't be murder, right. right? So you can't say that necessarily, like, oh, it is murder when it isn't because the killing in this instance, the termination of the pregnancy, which would entail the death of the fetus, is lawful. So it's not it's an not unlawful lawful. killing. No, no, no. It's not lawful. Oh, because you believe that it shouldn't be lawful, or you believe well, right. that we, it is We have a difference of, of opinion here. Mm. You say that it, it is lawful. No, I'm that's the fact. That's the reality of opinion, though. Well, no, that's, that, your... that, that's a fact. That's not even an opinion. It is lawful. What do you think an opinion is? Uh, opinion is something that's subjective up to your interpretation. So on the books, the law is that, that abortion is not murder. So if you say abortion is murder, you are factually incorrect. So b- before we get back to abortion for a second, I think you're mistaken about the meaning of the word opinion mm-hmm. because you seem to be conflating an opinion with a preference. Do you, do you understand the distinction between the two? There is a distinction between the two, but that's not the connotation which I was using. Well, you were saying an opinion is subjective. Right, it, mm-hmm. in the way that a preference is subjective. You know, I like vanilla more than chocolate. That would be a preference. Mm-hmm. That's not what an opinion is. An opinion is when you make a statement of fact from your perspective. So uh, here's how I would well, show you an example. That gets into the whole like alternative fact realm. You don't. You can make a 
a proclamation about what you perceive the world around you to be. And that can be your opinion, but there's a specific distinction between opinion and effect. Now, you can say that, like, uh, a preference and an opinion are similar in that they're both subjective. They're, that doesn't mean that necessarily they are not the same both, thing. They're not both subjective because a, a preference can't be wrong, whereas an opinion can be wrong. So, for instance, I can say, I think that the moon is made of green cheese. It is my opinion that the moon is made of green cheese. That is my opinion, but it's wrong. I could also say that uh, I think the sun is shining outside today, mm-hmm. and that would also be my opinion, but it would be correct. So some opinions well, can be correct and some can be wrong yeah, because some, they're statements of fact from your perspective. No, some opinions, can be fa- some opinions can be correct and some opinions can be wrong because of the underlying data and the underlying evidence that is to... Right, the reality to which your, they refer. Yeah. yeah, so you can say that it is your opinion that the sun is shining, and that's also an opinion that is based off of the fact that the sun gives off light. But you could also say it's my opinion that it's made out of that the moon is made out of cheese, and that but there's wrong. literally no evidence to back that up. So exactly. I, don't, that's I think why reducing it, yeah, I think reducing it down to a preference versus an opinion is kind of trying to misconstrue the words there. No, no, because I, I could have a preference. You know, I could say I like cigars, which I do, mm-hmm. and you don't like cigars, and that's my preference, and that's your preference. Mm-hmm. Neither yeah, of those but, is wrong. They're just our tastes. Yeah. And degustibus and disputandum est, as we say. Mm. But I could say a cigar is made of tobacco, and you could say a cigar is made of green cheese, and yeah, but I would be right a, and you would be wrong. But that's not a statement of fact from your perspective. That's what, that you, is. That's what you believe to be a fact, which is what an opinion what it, is. So you can't yes, say— that, so, so that is a statement of fact. Yeah, so if I have a right. preference of what type of cigar, whatever, those two things cannot be wrong. But if you're saying an opinion is really a statement of fact from your perspective— That's what well, you just said, too. That's what you believe to be a fact. It's not a fact. So that's what I'm saying. If you get into this realm where it's like a fact is entirely dependent on what you perceive it is, that inherently means that one person cannot have no, a wrong no, no. opinion. It, but you said that one person can't have a wrong opinion. It's not that the, the fact— relies upon my perception. It's that my perception can of accurately fact. or inaccurately uh, describe the fact. So I, I could say this is a glass of seltzer. Mm-hmm. I think this is a glass of seltzer. It is not a glass of seltzer because it is my opinion that it is. It is my opinion that it is a glass of yeah. seltzer because it actually is in fact. But yeah. if you said this is a glass of chocolate milk, and it is my opinion that this is a glass of chocolate milk, your opinion would be incorrect, and your perception would be defective. No, I will say... I think that the the way the language is getting parsed here, it's like an opinion is a statement of what is a perceived fact from your perspective, but it's not a statement of fact from your... Because you see where the distinction is? You can't say that that it's a statement of fact from your perspective. It's a declaration. You're saying, I think this. Mm -hmm. I think X. But in reality, the truth is actually Y. So if you're saying... Oh, it's a statement. Yeah, but if you're saying it's a statement of fact from my perspective, if I say, I think X... You, it's a fact that you think X, but that's the as far as it can go. It's not really a fact from your perspective. So we can't. I feel like the reason why I'm making the distinction here is because it's kind of like putting my subjective like opinion on the same level as like because like oh you can't say that I'm wrong because it's a fact from my perspective. That's kind of maybe I'm reading into what you're saying wrong, but that's kind of the vibe I get. I get the alternative fact vibe where it's like I'm not sure no, what vibe that is. That's that's that the that's to. the that's the you know Trumpist vibe the thing that I'm getting where it's like you can see people in a crowd and be like well it's my opinion that I had the biggest inauguration size of all time and that's just an alternative fact because it's from my perspective. Well, if but you in know, reality, if you know, digital audience he actually did, but that's a topic for another. Digital time. audience is crazy. So yeah, I, I don't think Obama was pulling too much on the live stream forums in 2008. He probably wasn't. Yeah. So you're, exactly. <laughs> that's why. That's why that such a statement would be true too. But but. Uh, 
I guess the reason it's important to clear this up is because we have a disagreement here over whether a baby in the womb is a baby, is morally significant in the way that you and I are morally significant. And we have a disagreement. You say, mm-hmm. I think that it, well, no, actually what you're saying is it is simply a fact that the baby's not a baby. And I'm saying it is my opinion that the baby no. is a baby. And that's a, no, so I we have a difference of opinion, but, but at most, one of us is going to be right. No, my statement of fact was that abortion wasn't murder because but, but that the would, legal term. But, but that would presuppose that the baby is not a baby. If the baby is a baby, then abortion would be murder, right? Because you'd, be, um, you'd be unlawfully killing a person. Well, no, because again, when you say the word unlawfully, you're talking about your moral, like your moral No, I'm, ta- I'm speaking of the objective moral. Yeah, and the law in the United States is that ab- abortion is not murder. If they overruled it and said, yes, now abortion is murder, then it would you, be murder. But you can't say but, abortion is murder because it's unlawfully killing a baby or a person or whatever when it is lawful. In many states, abortion is substantially or entirely illegal, according to even the civil positive. Yeah, so at the the best, you can have it is kind of sometimes murder, depending on the state, but But you you don't have caveats in that statement. You say it is murder. I guess I think the mistake that you're making, though, is that you're suggesting that the positive law or the civil law of the state is the ultimate law. Oh, but and I think the laws, I'm sorry, but all, I'm sorry, also the laws in those states do not rule abor- abortion as murder. They usually pull a really short time frame that's like almost impossible for the woman to know that they're pregnant. And if you still have the abortion, you still are aborting that zygote that is unique human DNA, but they don't consider it murder. I think taking it to murder is the draconian position where it's like, okay, well, now we need to prosecute as if it were no, murder. You, but even Republican states don't do that. No, that's not true, and including in liberal states. If, for instance, though New York just changed it because they wanted to liberalize abortion, but if you were to murder a pregnant woman, you would be charged with double murder mm-hmm. because you've killed the mother and you've killed the child. And that's yeah. true even in liberal states. Yeah, that is true. And I think, yeah. the, so the that's rationale, I think the rationale behind that that's not saying the same thing as ab- abortion, the process of terminating a pregnancy, is murder. Because the reason why— But the, the, I think the, the rationale, murderer terminates the pregnancy. Yeah, no, the in, rationale is because there is no distinguished—you can't predict whether or not a woman is going to bring a pregnancy to term. So if you have a pregnant woman and you kill, think of it from a legal sense. If you have a pregnant woman and I kill you, and then I kill the woman, and then the baby dies too, whatever, I get charged double because— we don't know what was going to happen. We're under the impression that they were going to bring the pregnancy to term but, but because you, it wouldn't really make sense to prosecute otherwise. But you're not, the, the murderer would not be charged with murdering the woman and violating her right to decide whether or not she wanted to take a pregnancy to term. What yeah, no. What charged with is double murder. The reason why they're charged with double murder yeah. is because when you kill the mother or whatever, so that's what I'm saying. Abortion is a separate concept. But to be charged— so, no, 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 because but, abortion, but, but, is, is, the, abortion is the ability to terminate a pregnancy, right? So if you're to killing kill somebody, terminate a pregnancy. Well, you're using if a the, euphemism. if it's an ectopic pregnancy, then the baby's already dead, but the Hold on. How did, we get to, how did we get to the topic of ectopic pregnancy? Because the procedure is still in the board. I think because you're kind of moving away from no, the homicide No, issue. no, no. Hold on, hold on. Because I think you're—because the, the point— Wait, how am I moving here, away from it when you cut me off and then I'm trying to explain to you why what you just said was wrong? What, what I'm saying is an ectopic pregnancy, you would still get rid of that pregnancy via abortion. The term abortion is just— to the termination of a pregnancy. A lot of times it does result in the, and it's the termination of a non-viable pregnancy in particular. Of an abortion refers to the termination of a non-viable pregnancy? Yes. How, what, okay. percent, what percentage of abortions do you think are 
uh, in the case of ectopic pregnancy or a threat to the life of the mother? Oh, that's a different question. I'm well, no, saying, because I, what I'm saying is the reason why far, I far more than 99 percent of abortions yeah. are elective, where the where the baby is viable. Yeah, no, no. That, so what you see, said is what a, you don't understand is, is the concept of viability. 80 percent of abortions take place in the first week, uh, not the first week, the first trimester. Oh, you're saying trimester. viable of living outside yes, of the mother's yes, womb. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's why, so the vast majority of the time. and the But the baby times. would still be viable in as much as the baby would continue to develop and live, just like you. That's not, but again, you're mincing words because that's not what the term viability means. I'm just you're trying to get through that the it's vi- You're saying that it's not euphemisms, it's literal words. I don't know what euphemism, well, you're, maybe I'm, what do you, do you but know I'm what saying. what euphemism means? Yeah, I know what a euphemism means, what I'm not using one. But the thing is, what is I'm telling you. A euphemism is a word to try to paper over a harsh reality with language that would be less evocative and clear. I'm going to Which is why I'm referring to a human being in the womb, and you're trying to refer to, say, a pregnancy or the product of Hold on, did I, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I didn't say that the pregnancy or the the fetus isn't a human being. It is, but I'm telling you. Oh, okay, good. I'm telling you. But then why won't you call it a human being? What? I said a pregnancy. I right, said the reason why I say because I'm describing what the term abortion refers to. It's referring to ending a pregnancy, meaning it doesn't necessarily mean killing a human being. If the human being is already dead, you'd use the well, same you, procedure. You, Listen, but, but abortion, on, abortion doesn't operate on people who are already dead. Abortion, uh, you, you could. Ectop, that's what I'm bringing up, ectopic pregnancy. No, the, no the, 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 the threat of an ectopic pregnancy is the baby is continuing to grow and threatens the life of the mother. No, so but no, that, so if, if it's like develops cancer, if like the, the cells that are developing into the baby turn cancerous or there's something where. Well, the, the mother could develop cancer separately, which would be. Yeah, no, but I'm saying in terms like that where the, the baby is dead or you have like a miscarriage or something like the, that. The, the issue the of the process on the process by which you terminate that pregnancy is still abortion. Abortion is simply referring to terminating a pregnancy ter- of, of an unviable fetus, which means, or a non-viable fetus, which means that in the time in which it is terminated, it cannot survive outside the mother. That's the term abortion. The word- now you can say abortion could be used for killing a baby or everything, but that doesn't That's change the but it doesn't change the fact that there are circumstances in which the baby's already dead and that procedure is still called an abortion. So outlawing that procedure It isn't though. It, it is because you use that, the word terminate. What, what does the word terminate mean? End a pregnancy. End. Okay, and what is a pregnant what do you mean by a pregnancy? The fetus is inside of the mother. And so if and you, doing what? so the termination of what? a viable threat. What do you mean? When you say you're going to end the pregnancy, by which you say you mean the fetus that is inside of the mother, mm-hmm. but oh, I don't mean ending the fetus that is inside the mother. I mean ending the process of pregnancy. And what is that process? The process is the continued growth of that pregnancy. Yes, which is which yes, is life. but that's even if that yes, even yeah. if the baby is no longer growing or something, that's still a pregnancy because it's still inside the mother. The termination of a viable pregnancy is delivery or C-section. So I don't think you understand. So the termination of a non-viable pregnancy yeah. would be when the baby cannot live outside the mother, right? And you get an abortion or whatever. That's how you But you could do that. Or if there weeks. was... That's not an ectopic pregnancy. That huh? could be just any time before the baby could live outside of the mother. Yeah. You're not, okay. So, so no, that, we're no, we're no longer just talking about no. ectopic pregnancy. We're yeah, no, I was, never okay. only, I was never only like trying to make the point that ectopic pregnancy is the only... I'm saying the term abortion refers to terminating a pregnancy. That can be yeah. at any stage of the pregnancy. If you terminate a non-viable pregnancy, that is abortion. That is usually what will happen in the first like few weeks or the first trimester, of, uh, which is when most abortions happen. When you terminate a viable fetus, meaning a fetus that can live outside the womb, unless it's like threat to the mother, which is very rare, yeah. that is a delivery. If the pregnancy ends on a viable fetus, that is usually because the mother has pushed out the baby you, or got a C-section. You don't like me using this term baby or person or human mm-hmm. being. 
you don't like because it. I think that because I think that you and me and everyone watching knows that the image that pops into mind when you say a baby or a child, we say the term "How's the baby? How's your baby?" to a woman who's pregnant because we're under the assumption that they are going to bring that baby to term. We're, we no, kind of that's make not the, why. I'm yes, we make that jump that it's like you're going to get. Perhaps birth. that's how you interpret it. The way I interpret it, the reason that I would ask, "How is the baby doing?" is because I'm. Uh, inquiring into how that baby at that particular moment is doing. That's why. That's why I use that. Well, language. yeah, no, that, that's the same. Those two. No, but I'm not saying because no, those two the things aren't. The baby will no, those be two things aren't mutually exclusive. You could well, actually obviously be, not mutually. You exclusive. could be. You could be inquiring into the condition of the baby. But the reason right. why you're using the term baby it's is because it's a baby. when you see someone who's pregnant, you're not. You don't think about. Hey, do they want to bring this to pre- do they want to bring this to term? But, uh, but the, what, what's going on in well, their personal life? So you this assume us back you see sure. they're pregnant, that so, means they're going to have a baby. That's so the this logic brings us back to the point that's at, at hand here, because what you seem to be suggesting here is that the identity of the being inside the womb is contingent upon whether or not the mother wants to have an abortion. So if oh. the mother does want to have an abortion, oh, let me at least explain what I think you're saying, mm. and then you can correct me if I'm wrong. You were saying if the mother wants to have an abortion and get rid of the baby, then you wouldn't refer to it as a baby. You wouldn't ask, how's the baby doing, obviously. But if the mother wants to bring the baby to term and then raise the baby and send the baby off to college, then you would ask, how is the baby doing? And And the question of whether or not that baby is a baby depends upon the wishes of the mother as pertains to that baby. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. So what I'm saying is the language that you use, right? So when we're using the term baby, you don't, there's no point in which you're growing up through childhood and you stop and think, huh, let me, compl- let me consider the complex natures of pregnancy and the way the mother, you just kind of assume, you see someone showing, they're going to have a baby, how's the baby doing? And most times it's not offensive because usually if you're getting to the point where you're showing, you're probably going to already carry the baby to term. But when we're talking about the fact that the vast majority of abortions happen within the first trimester, a lot of times you're not even showing. Majority now. You don't or, ask. Or, uh, you know, drugs. Yeah, but you, yeah, and at that point you don't even really get the opportunity to ask, how's the baby doing? Because a lot of times you don't even know that somebody is pregnant or they don't even know that they're pregnant and then they get the thing. So it's like, when you see somebody who is obviously pregnant, a lot of times they're further along, they're planning for a baby. So we make that jump, hey, how's the baby doing? Because you're under the assumption that, yeah, most people are going to bring the baby to but term. But if that so baby, okay, go. so if the baby is a baby and you're going to so call if, it a baby. So if you asked somebody, hey, how's the baby doing? Then you'd listen to them. And if they're like, well, I, we're going through some stuff and I don't know, I might, I'm looking into getting an abortion. If they get that close to you, I don't know. I don't really with that information, like something close to me. But if you got, they got close to you and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Um, you'd probably be better off if you didn't like, oh, but your child, how's your child doing? But the child, because you know what that's invoking. Sure, okay, so let's leave it at baby. If you're granting that you see a pregnant woman, you say, hey, how, hey, that's a baby. I'm acknowledging that that thing is a baby. Then don't you necessarily have to conclude that it would be wrong to kill that baby through an abortion? Because you're saying it's a baby. Well, I'm, yeah, if you use that language. But you just said you would use that language. No, I'm saying, yeah, if you're saying, oh, how's the baby doing? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to kill this baby. No, I'm you just asking the language, opinion of it. Yeah, but I'm saying- Assuming if, you support legal So abortion. you get, yeah, you get two separate like things, right? So if you say, oh, how's, your, how's the baby doing? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm planning on murdering this baby. That's one thing. You were saying, oh, how's the baby doing? It's like, well, I don't really know. I think I'm, I'm going through some stuff with the pregnancy. My doctors told me that X, Y, Z is going to happen or I'm just not in a position right now. I think I'm going to end my pregnancy. That's going to be fine. Because most humans can understand, it's like okay, this person doesn't have the. This person doesn't have the. I, I didn't say. I didn't say. Oh, I thought you said funny. No, I wouldn't find that fine. Why at wouldn't all. you find that fine? Well, because we both just agreed that 
whatever it is that is inside the mother's womb is a baby. We both well, agree that fetus. we would. Well, you just said baby, but fetus means. No, also, I'm saying you using thing. baby. The reason why we colloquially use the term baby is because we make the assumption that they're going to give birth to that baby. It's a lot of times when we see someone pregnant. If they're obviously showing that they're pregnant, they're probably far along enough to where you can make the assumption they're going to give but birth. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't. But say that. if I was a medical professional, or if I'm talking about the concept of pregnancy or a term relating to that pregnancy, like abortion, I'd use the term fetus because we're talking in scientific terms now. There is no room for. What is we're the, not talking about? Oh, what value are we going to assign to this kid? We need to give the give the mother like a time to actually what is, decide what's going to happen. What is the, what does the word fetus mean? What does the word fetus mean? It's a stage of human development. Do you know the meaning of the word, though? I don't know, like, what are you it's talking a about? It's like, a Latin Yeah, word. oh, I thought you, okay. I don't know, like, the Latin origins. It means offspring. Yes. And? Yeah, so if I say that I have a teenager at home, that's offspring. If I say I have a child at home, that's offspring. If uh-huh. I say I have a baby at home, that's offspring. Yep. They're all you offspring, you and it's three. Yeah, yeah. yeah fetus, offspring. And you shouldn't four kill any of them. Four different stages of development. Yeah. Yeah, right, but so, of the so same, they all of the same thing. Yeah, but they all right. say they all mean offspring. If I use the exactly. term, exactly. same thing with fetus. Yeah, same thing with everything. And so it would be wrong. I'm to not saying. Your, yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying well, that using one word over the other means that it's not your offspring. Right. So so still your so offspring. we grant it's four stages of the same person. Mm-hmm. So it'd be wrong to murder your teenager. Mm-hmm. It'd be wrong to murder your child. It'd be wrong to murder your newborn infant, and it would be wrong to murder the fetus. Which yeah, because if you murdered them, then that's unlawful killing. You keep using that word. You can say kill. Because you believe that it should be Do you think there's a moral law that exists uh, separate from the positive laws of any given state? A moral law? Yeah. I believe morality exists. I don't believe that there's a moral creed that we all— What is morality? That's a tough question for me. I think morality to me is—well, I don't know, like, kind of what we feel— I don't want to say—I don't necessarily, because I think it's a little bit deeper than feeling. Kind of like— our nature or our feeling of what's right and wrong. I think the way in which we ground that, I like to ground my morality in, in human well-being um, and trying to like reduce as much harm as possible. Uh, but I don't, when it comes to like a specific definition, I don't know if you're looking for like a dictionary. Um, no, I think but, you've gotten re- the reasonably reason, close. Though, yeah, but the you reason why- point, You make a good point, which is you say, I think it's more than a feeling, which necessarily it must be. It must be reasonable. So if we are to know anything about morality at all, it's not just going to be from our feelings, which mm. might change with our passions, but it would have to be through the use of our reason. We would know, using our reason, that certain things are better than other things and that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. Yeah, but I don't necessarily, like, if you're going to say a moral law and that a lot of us, like, all of us have a moral core, like, things that we tell ourselves, like, oh, I would never do that or I could never do that. No, I don't think I have a moral... If you mean, if you mean that in, like, a figurative sense, yes, but I don't mean, I don't think that there's, like, a moral like declaration of specific things we all need to live up to. I think we all have an idea of what's an ideal that we try to live up to and we try to get as close to that as possible um, and try so, not to So, but the, it. the ideal is objectively true or it's just subjective. What do you mean? Well, it seems to me you've contradicted yourself a little, which is you're saying, yes, we all have a, an intuition of morality, of ideals that we would like to live up to. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a declaration or a law. Like when I say that I don't, do. like when I say that I mean it's like not, I know you are religious. I don't believe it's like divine, like commandment written down somewhere. I think that it's more like, like I said, like what we intuit, what we feel like strongly. Well, why do we true. feel it? Why do we feel it? I think it's, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think 
A, it comes from our being as a social species and our ability to, to think sentiently that gets us to think about some complex stuff, even like, is what I'm doing right or wrong? How would this make other people feel? I think that that comes from our evolution of being around each other, having to communicate to survive, having to make compromises, see what's right and wrong, recognize that if we kill each other, then we probably just keep going at it and no one gets any benefit out of it. And it's like, it's those things that kind of develop as humans. But, but then if it, if it were merely that, uh, you know, we don't kill each other because that would probably produce some problems for society over time. So we just basically have a truce not to kill each other. That, that wouldn't be then to say that it is wrong to kill someone, to commit murder. Yeah, because... It would just say that we just kind of agree to not kill each other because it's... Yeah, I think, I think that... So then, can... so then, this is crucial, you're not grasping at an ideal that you are intuiting using your, using your reason. You're just kind of coming up with a concordat to live together. No, but I think that before there's a time where we can sit across from each other and discuss what the meaning of right and wrong is, I think that there's a time where there's these feelings that we have through our evolution and everything where it's like, cool, I don't want to kill this person, not just because it's going to cause some problems down the line, but it's like we can recognize what loss is. We can recognize what we don't want that to happen to us. And it'd probably be better as our species if we work together to accomplish things more than we fight. And then that further, that same ideal gets put into words when we get more words to describe that. And we're like, okay, this is wrong. We We don't agree. And I don't think that it's subjective in the sense that, oh, we could just decide what's right and wrong. I think it's objective, but that's only given that we all agree on the framework that we do all agree on, which is well-being. So then, but then it wouldn't be objective, it would be relative. It's objective it given, no, it's objective given uh, like a, a scope. So I don't think that you can go out and find morals in the ground. But I think if as a could you species, could you could you deduce morals using your reason? Or do you even have a reason? deduce morals using your reason? I think you can use your reason to understand um, and come to a more moral position, yeah. Okay. I don't think that you can, like, I don't think it's like you make it up. But then it, but there are certain things that right, you good. feel and then you use your reason to yes. get so, to the best So that is, that is what I'm getting at when you keep saying that, well, because in certain states, the positive civil law uh, has a license for abortion, that therefore it's legal and there's no moral conundrum here. But what I'm pointing out is that sometimes the positive civil law is unjust compared to the objective moral law. This is something like Martin Luther King yeah, talked about a lot. That's again, right. you, can't, you can't say that it's, well, I mean, you can say that it's wrong according to the objective moral law, but according to my objective moral law, there is, it's not wrong. I just but think, if, I think you're wrong. If we, but if, because if, if, if there is a distinction between your moral law and my moral law, then there can't be an objective moral law. You understand? No, because we can also, we can argue about what, do you value like human well-being? Oh, yes. Very much. And, I, and I assume that you value that because you come at the position of, oh, it's killing a person. We don't want to kill a person. That's a bad thing, right? No, so, no, I, no. Human well-being is much broader than just laws about murder. Yeah, no, I'm saying that's one of the things where it's not, if you track it all the way back, it can be, at the end of the day, it is very not conducive to human well-being for us to kill each other. Or, in your, <laughs> or, not, or in your view, the killing, like, the innocent child, yeah. all the language that you put or, on. So yeah. it's like... Being so, murdered is not conducive yeah. to one's well-being. So I think that in, if we're talking about abortion, you can stop there and say, it's wrong to kill, therefore, this is not... It's not always wrong to kill. yeah. And I, I, I can take, yeah, and I can take that and I can say, it's not always wrong to kill. Yeah. And I think that but things it's always like wrong so, to commit and murder. I think that, yeah, yeah, which is why abortion is not So it's murder. always wrong to take but innocent human life. I don't think that that's 
okay, we're going to get into what innocence is. But I think that when it comes to innocence the case of abortion, yeah, when it comes to the case of abortion, I don't think that you saying that, oh, this is murder or uh, this is killing or everything, or that's wrong. I don't think that it's necessarily a wrong take to have. But oh, I can good. say, I can say that when it comes to human well-being and what we both agree on, human well-being is a positive that we should shoot for. I think the best way for us to achieve human well-being is allowing half of our population to have more bodily autonomy. Right, but so we, we obviously disagree there. Mm. So I'm, I'm saying it is conducive to well-being and objectively morally good not to kill babies in the womb. You're saying it is, uh, Michael, I see your point and I respect your opinion, but I think that it is conducive to human flourishing and well-being and perhaps even morally good uh, to allow for legal abortion. Those are contradictory opinions. Yeah. Only one of them can No, so yeah, we're still agreeing on the groundwork of well-being because at the end of the day, you're arguing- Clearly not. No, you're, yeah, in my opinion, clearly not because I think you're flat wrong. But what we're saying is the groundwork of what is best for human well-being is still there. And even though you could say like, oh, well, we're disagreeing on this thing, we don't disagree that we're trying to operate for human well-being. That's where our morals are grounded. Now, the way we go about it can take different routes, and I think you're objectively wrong because I think that if you have half of the population being a slave to their biology, meaning the millisecond that there's a baby inside of them, they're there's no autonomy. There's, and, there's no and autonomy? There's you no, lose your autonomy when you, you get lose pregnant. your bodily autonomy, yes. What are you talking about? If in your framework. Have you if met anybody illegal. who's ever been pregnant? You what do you mean? What do you think autonomy. I mean when I say lose your bodily autonomy? Do you, you think I mean you can't go over to your body? Do you think that I mean you can't like go to Kroger or something? No. I mean that you can't make that decision. That's, what, that's make, what you imply. If yeah. we make abortion illegal, I'm saying you no longer have control over the developmental process that's happening within your body. And I don't, and I think that it's not conducive to human well-being because when we're talking about granting rights, respecting people's rights, granting equal rights, if we say that a fetus is a person deserves all the equal rights of everybody, I could even agree and grant you that. They do deserve all the equal rights of everybody. Right. But one of those things is not getting to use somebody's body for life without consent. Oh, well, then we have a contradiction. So then we have to figure out if that's really a right or not. Is the, is the right to abortion really a right? Yeah, well, I it think- It seem like you, you actually seem to have concluded that it's not. Before reversing yourself no. and saying that it is, because you've just said that the baby I'm saying, is entitled to. I'm saying for the I'm else. saying for the sake of argument, I can grant you that the fetus is a person with all human rights. Right. But one of those human rights that no one else gets in any other circumstance is getting to use somebody's body against their will. No, no matter whether or not you put them in that situation or otherwise, you don't get to be forcefully. The government shouldn't get to forcefully connect you to somebody, and then you cannot disconnect from them. Well, the, that's a right that nobody else has. You know but you're the, trying to give to. You fetus. know how the baby ended up there, right? Yeah, I know how the baby ended up there, and that's what we got to get consent to sex. Wasn't a gun pregnancy? It was probably because of a willful action of the mother and the father. Yeah, it probably was a willful action of the mother and the father. But if I if I have a kidney disease running in my family, and I know that if I give birth or my wife gives birth to a child, there's a high likelihood that they will have the same kidney disease, Mm -hmm. and then they're born and they have that kidney disease and they need a kidney, does the government have the right to force me to connect to donate my kidney? to keep them alive. No, it might be a good thing for you to do, but no, the reason is because your kidneys are for you. They're for the functioning of your body. Well, they're for the functioning of filtering blood. No, no, no. They're, you, they can say they're for, no. They're, you can say they're for me in the same way that I could say a woman's uterus is for her. For her baby. No, it's for her. No, it can it facilitate. You just, it can, you just made my point. What is, no. So you, you say the purpose of a kidney is to filter blood, right? 
for you. For it's not my kidneys aren't for filtering blood for you. They're just for for filtering no, my blood. Now they're for filtering blood though. So if but, I but they're my kidneys, right? They're part of me. They're an, an integral part of me. So uh, my lungs are for taking in oxygen. Uh, my uh, yeah, it's for, for taking in oxygen, yeah. not your, not for you. For right? me. No, it's for, me. It's for you for, because it's, it's for, for you me. because yeah. you're using but it. But so, right? what is the if, if the end of the kidney is filtering blood, and if the end of the lungs is taking in oxygen, and if the end of the eyes is seeing, what is the end of the womb? The end of the womb or the end of the uterus would be for procreation. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that anything that happens to that thing is now out of the jurisdiction because it has the ability to fester life. So the thing that I'm talking about is, well, we're talking about blood cells. We can talk about life. Those things technically are alive. They don't have the same. I can grant you they don't have the same. Not a human being. Yeah, they're not a human being. The cell of my hair. But you can't say that, well, no one else has a right to my kidney because it's for me. At the end of the day, a kidney is a kidney. You can write off about donating a kidney before you die. And then once you you die, they can. Yeah, once you die, you can donate. There's a distinction between your kidney and my kidney, which is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a distinction between your kidney and my kidney. I think that my kidney's for me, but again, right. we agree. again, when we talk about it's not necessarily what it's for and its utility, the process, the thing that kidneys are for are donating blood. And and, and you can no, say it's, not, it's a it's not, for, not donating blood for yeah, filtering, for blood, filtering I'm sorry. Blood. Yeah, yeah. But you can say that it's a moral good. I could say you're morally virtuous you for, if you're in that yeah. for if you're in that situation and you decide to donate your kidney. I can say that that's a morally good thing to do. I would never legislate that you must do that. And just saying, well, it's for me. Yeah, but I'm saying if you're just going to offer, well, no, because it's for me. Well, it's like, okay, if we're operating based off your framework, it doesn't matter whether or not it's for you. You put your child in that situation. You knew that if you had sex and you procreated, chances are your child was going to be born with a debilitating uh, kidney disease. And as a parent, you have to take responsibility for that and forcefully give them your kidney. No, but this is a fallen world, and, and everyone... This in, is a in, fallen world. And everyone endures some suffering, so it's not... We don't, uh, you know, sue our parents in a law court because of the inevitable suffering that comes along with life. Uh, that, that, would, that would seem rather unusual. Yeah, but that's just not traditional suffering, though. It's kind of analogous to, to sex and pregnancy, because if I am having sex with a person, and I know that there is a non-zero, even a high probability, that they will have some defect or some, like, for the example, a kidney uh, disorder, and I know that that's a possibility when I go into it. If we're saying that you know that getting pregnant is a possibility when you go into it, therefore, when the pregnancy happens, you are, your uterus is their possession now, and you cannot control. It's not their possession, but it does what its natural end is. I mean, I think we've arrived at something that's important here, which is that we know what things are uh, largely by what they're for, right? That's the distinction between, uh, like, like if I, I have a microphone here, let's say I had a bigger microphone though, I had like a you know a rock star microphone, mm. and I, I, you might ask me, Michael, what is that in your hand? And I would say, well, uh, it's a microphone. Well, what distinguishes this microphone in my hand from some other similarly looking object that I could I could hold in my hand? For instance, I could use the microphone to hang a painting on the wall, right? I could use it and I could hammer a nail into my wall, mm. and it would probably hammer the nail. Probably wouldn't do a very good job at it, but it would hammer the nail. It'd probably break the microphone if I did that. So I, I could use the microphone for that purpose, but it would, it would be a better order. It would be a better use of the microphone to use it for, for amplifying well, would you out Would you outlaw using it for hammering it into a wall? Well, I, uh, not necessarily, but if it redounded in the murder of a child, I probably would. Oh, see, again, there's the 
intuition bump again because now we're going to go back to the whole it's not murder because it is lawful and then you're going to say but oh you, because the the moral law that you subscribe which to, you agreed to with. my moral law that is not murder no but there can't again there because can't be again, multiple moral laws we're just disagreeing over over the moral law yeah well you're saying well because yeah. we both we're not even necessarily disagreeing. I think we, we are. both arrived at the conclusion of human well-being, and you just think that it is murder, therefore it is not human well-being. And I'm saying, well, no, it is letting a woman decide whether or not to carry a pregnancy to term, seeing as consent to sex isn't consent to pregnancy, and consent to pregnancy isn't consent to staying pregnant. So th- I think giving them that option is conducive to well-being, and you think it's not because it's murder. So the well-being part is still there. You're just using uh, yeah. the... I don't, so you, you keep coming back to this phrase well-being, which is quite yes. interesting because it's, it's a core aspect of uh, ethics going back many years now, going back to the Nicomachean ethics of Aristotle. And it's good. We all want uh, human flourishing. Eudaimonia is one way to, to uh, call it. But you, you seem content to just leave it at that and say, well, we just disagree over the nature of well-being. But can't we dig in a little bit deeper? So if, if we say that... Uh, morality is objective, and we are simply perceiving it in different ways, and we're having a disagreement, therefore, about the, the true nature of what is good for human beings, then can't we continue to interrogate that question? So I think you, you arrived at it, though. You tried to jump off it very quickly, which is you said, the baby in the womb is entitled to all the rights that everybody else has. Well, but I said, but the mother said has the I'm right gonna- to I said I'm going to grant you the argument that even if it is a person, it does not have. If you're going to say that it's a person, therefore it is endowed with all the rights of people, one of those rights is not to use somebody's body again. But well, so now we arrive at this issue of a contradiction. But going also that a contradiction? Well, because you just said that the baby has a right to all the right to to the same rights that we have. Now, one one of those would be the right to life. That would be the most basic right. But then you're saying, what do you mean by right to life? The the right not to be murdered. Let's say in this case, the right not to be murdered. So let's say, is that that's all you mean when you say the right to life? In this instance, yeah. So basically, okay. Again, murder is a specific. Okay, so here. I thought we here. Did, we no, here, 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 here. No, because yeah. you can say that you disagree with killing from a moral standpoint in certain circumstances. That's completely fine. The term murder only means the legalistic one that we have. It doesn't mean that it's calling to even in, into question objective morality. Because Let me try. Murder, murder, the concept of murder is unlawful killing or unjust killing of an of a innocent person. Those are all things that we agree morally are bad. You shouldn't kill an innocent person. You shouldn't unjustly kill somebody. But at the end of that, it is kill. When you say murder is calling on our moral intuition, you're taking a legal term that has specific legal definitions and trying it, trying to apply it to a moral sense when all you really mean is that you think it should be murder. Let me try a different tack here on the same question. Do you, do you think slavery is wrong? Yes. Okay. Do you think slavery in the American context was wrong? Yes. Do you think slavery is unlawful? Well, yes, today. Yeah. If I said back in the day, no, it's not unlawful. It's not unlawful. That'd be a statement of fact. That's not me saying I agree with the process, with the institution. So why do you disagree? Why do I disagree? Why would you, you, if you were living in 1860 in some regions of the country, why would you say that slavery is wrong when, when, when it would also have been lawful by your understanding? Well, again, you can say that murder is wrong, but if I said that working for somebody is slavery, 
that would also be a wrong statement. You can say slavery is wrong, but I can't say this one aspect of like working is slavery. So what I mean by that is, yeah. if I say that murder is wrong, that's a true statement, cool. But if I say abortion is murder, you're just trying to get it to, well, therefore, abortion well, is see, wrong. Well, see, the, the reason but you have why, to prove why. that abortion is murder. The, the way you would make and that— it's not. The way you would argue that is you would say that the baby in the womb that you're calling a fetus or— embryo. On top of that, I'm sorry. But hold on. on that, we is, don't even—we don't merely legislate on morality. So even if you think that abortion is immoral, that is different from what should be all, legal. All, all laws derive from the moral law. But That's capped. <laughs> but, but we'll get to that in That's a second. That's a nice one. But this is, this is really important. Uh— the argument that abortion is murder rests on whether or not the baby is a baby. So I'm saying the baby is a baby. You're saying the baby is not a baby. In exactly the same way that the injustice of slavery rests entirely upon whether or not the black person is a person well, or not a person. Well, no, because then it would be whether or not the fetus is a person, Correct. not a baby. Right. But even then, exactly. wait, I'm sorry, because I'm going to need you to repeat what you said after, but you you— you just casually slipped in there that all law comes from the moral law. Right, because what is law? So, question. Speed limits. Do you have, like, a strict moral position on, like, what a given speed limit should be? Yes, a a speed limit would be arrived at uh, as as a matter of prudence, which is a cardinal virtue for the well-being of the traveler and also the safety of the people around him. Okay, right? so, so if, those would be moral considerations. So is driving 40 miles an hour in a 35 immoral? Uh, it's probably not too imprudent. It's probably not too reckless. I would, therefore not too unjust. I wouldn't say it's there's any moral value in driving 40 in a 35. And the reason why I say that is Well, it's a disobedience to the civil authority. Go, that would be. That when would you be. go a certain threshold over a speed limit, say you're going like 20 over, and yeah. say it's a school zone, you yeah. can say that's immoral because you're seriously endangering people, right? But when you're talking about what we have is law in our society, driving 40 in a 35 will get you no moral condemnation, nor should it. Because yeah, well, it there could are get different you a speeding Because de- there are different degrees of stuff. So it you can't. Could, yeah. And then something it's, like. It's still, it something might like, be less morally significant yeah. than criminally speeding in a school zone. But it would still have. The, the way you would arrive at the speed limit would be through moral debate and moral deliberation. Yeah, you could talk about moral debate and moral deliberation that's all for saying. developing like the threshold of. of yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, even if you take the, uh, the, the speed limit example and you can say, okay, well, at this threshold, it's not immoral. And at this threshold, it is immoral. You that's could, what the that's, speed limit is. Right? Yeah, you could do that same thing with anything, with abortion. But you might be with, right or wrong. Yeah, some you laws, could. Some laws might be unjust. I'm sorry, like, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, for instance, when, uh, when the abolitionists came around in the 19th mm-hmm. century, they said it is legal, according to the positive civil law, for uh, white men to enslave certain black men. Mm-hmm. But according to the higher law, that is deeply unjust. Wait, and hold so, on. That's yeah. a contradiction. If all law comes from the moral law, then how did slavery becoming legal even happen? Because this is a fallen world and people use— Because this is a fallen world. And because people have sometimes defective reason, so, defective wills, so they sometimes legislate evil things. No, so when you say— like When you say that law or all law comes from the moral law, mm-hmm. moral law is objective— Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, slavery was a legal process, but you believe that that's wrong. Now you're saying— Because our because reason a, and our wills are imperfect. Yeah, but I'm saying you're saying that if all law comes from moral law, mm-hmm. right, you could just be 
wrong about abortion, about your right. stance on abortion, yeah. right? Right, that's, because that's why there's a mismatch. So you're saying that abortion is law. murder, and murder is always wrong because it comes from the objective moral law. Yeah. But there are other things that come from objective moral law that we wouldn't say, or we, we should say in its application, no, it doesn't, because how would slavery come from an objective moral law? Be, because of so the, can, the defect of the intellect and the will of the people who legislated it, which is why after, after comparing the, the clearly defective uh, positive law with the objective moral law, which we can, use, which we can do through our conscience and our reason, we, we realized that there was a mismatch here and that the civil positive law was unjust. That's why we got So right. you're saying because, yeah. the natural state of like our having moral law is that slavery is wrong, but it's our reasoning that that twists it and made it so it was correct. No, it, it, it's that th- this is a fallen world with defects in our intellect. What do you mean by world. fallen world? I mean, it's not perfect. Was it ever perfect? Well, before the fall, yeah. So that's a religious concept. Yeah, but what is religion? Religion is a certain subsect of beliefs tend tend to be in theology when it comes to what is theology? I mean, theology is the study of gods, the study of faith, study of faith seeking understanding. (laughs) Sometimes what it's called, and religion is a habit of virtue that inclines the will to render to God that which He deserves. Well, that's. Again, your opinion. You can well, say just, that it's I'm a habit. Kidding. You can say that religion is a habit of virtue, and I can list off a bunch of different ways religion has been used in a non-virtuous fashion. Well, right, but but I'm saying one of the, and one even of the, in but, but the texts of certain religious you, books, you, you said that what, non-moral. You said that what I've done. You said what I've done is just explain the fallen world in religious terms, and then you've criticized my definitive definition no, but I'm of religion saying, because it takes into account the reason why I'm world. saying is that if there's an objective moral law that everybody that everybody knows, that everybody they, does. They don't or, know it perfectly. That's the so problem. Was because the, our wills and our so, intellects are defective as a result of the fall of man. Okay, so you're saying that there is an objective moral law that is dictated to us by a god of some sort. Yeah, but, and, and it's knowable through reason. Yeah, and it's knowable, but we've been fallen, and therefore we don't know the moral law. Without substantiating— No, no, we, 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 we do have a, a reasonable degree of certainty about certain things. We, if you get 100 people in the room, at least 99 of them are going to mm-hmm. agree that murder is wrong. But we don't ha- possess perfect intellect and perfect will. The thing is, the reason why I don't subscribe to that is because there is no demonstration, there is no substantiating that this— that any of that even happened that led to a fallen moral world, and that's why we're here today. What, I what think do you mean by that? When I say that there's no demonstration, I mean religious is, religion is an unfalsifiable concept, and that you can, you well, have... It's, it's falsified. You, can, you, you, could you, try to, you could try to make an argument. You can't I mean, falsify you, because we have no way of even measuring a supernatural phenomenon, because we have no way to even develop a criteria by which we, de- we measure supernatural. Well, we, can, we can know that there are, for instance... You can believe. Well, but... A, I guess this gets back to what we were talking about earlier, right? I can believe and I can think things and I can have opinions that are my perception of reality and they can be more or less correct. But when it comes to religion, say, the question is, does God exist or does God not exist? And uh, it seems to me there are many very good arguments for the existence of God. It and seems to me that there are many, many very good arguments against the existence I've never of God. seen a good one. You've ne- well, that doesn't mean that there aren't any. Well, yeah, I, just, and- I thought I've, I've looked for them. I haven't found them. I'm not sure how confident I am that you've looked for them. I've seen some of your I stuff. Have. I was an atheist for ten people. years. I've seen some of your stuff reacting to certain people. How you like portray their argument off. I again, and it's completely fine to to uh, voice or um, frame an argument in a particular way if it goes against something that you deeply hold. But the reason why I don't develop, no, I don't morals, understand what you mean by that. You think it's fine for me to 
you're saying that I've I've I'm articulated I've, a view that you find wrong, but you think it's fine for me no, to I'm articulate saying, a wrong I'm view. I'm saying that I I think that it's like you're I won't say fine. I said I think that it's understandable, which I should say that you would Pity. couch certain arguments. Yeah, but no, but uh, that you'd couch certain arguments that like disagree with your religion in a negative light or whatever, because I don't think that you've genuinely, honestly gone and searched some good arguments for and against religion. Uh, JJ, I was an atheist for ten years. I was a pretty ardent atheist for like ten years. I I I, I was uh, quite taken with people like um, you know. Uh, Richard Dawkins, Daniel Dennett, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and and more serious atheists too, like Bertrand Russell, one of the great logicians of the 20th century. Uh, and oh, I believe that your reasoning in this fallen world has been clouded. Because it clearly I, was because I was mine. taken by the atheists no, I mean, for ten I mean, years after you went back or after you went away from atheism. Right. Well, the thing, that's a whole other the thing that meta. Can, but but it's it's pretty important because you know uh, ultimately these questions are going to rest on. Uh, Ultimately, they're going to come down to whether or not God exists, because uh, it, really basic aspects of how we're even speaking here will come down to that. How is it? Possible? It can come down to that, but again, you have no way of demonstrating that a God exists. That you know oh, that there, there are many good arguments for God. There's many good arguments. Right. You have no demonstration of whether or not a God exists. I what their moral code is. If your God is the correct God, if your God is the only option only over other, yeah, according to you. But I happen to be correct. Yeah, according to you. So again, what I'm saying is, if we're going to der- derive our sense of morality from an unfalsifiable claim, which again, you no. did do in our video when you said that consenting to being in a bar is by default consenting to being drunk because near instances of sin, which is- mm, The near occasion of sin. This near, is a, near this is a really sin. important point, the, the near occasion of sin, because it gets to what we're talking about, which is that in a fallen world, we have defects of our intellect and our will. So we're not perfectly free all the time. Think about Hunter Biden. Uh, we'll get to the morality of Hunter Biden, you know, sleeping with the 50th hooker of the week. Uh, how did Hunter Biden come to sleep with the 50th hooker of the week and film himself doing it? Well, he probably went on a long bender and he probably drank a lot and he probably smoked a little bit of crack and he was probably half out of his mind by the time he called up the hooker and then slept with the hooker. Mm-hmm. At what point would you say he consented to those sorts of acts? Um, I don't really believe in adequate consent when you're under the influence, um, but... Bingo. So I want to continue that in one second. First, though, when you want to protect your data, you've got to go to expressvpn.com slash MichaelYT. As you know, there are a lot of people who want to look at what you are doing online. The government, the ISPs, the big tech companies, they all are digging into your stuff, and so you should use the number one rated VPN on the market, not just according to me, but according to a number of outlets and authorities as well. That would be ExpressVPN. Head on over there right now. We've got all sorts of great deals and promos if you are a listener and a viewer of this show. Do not wait. Well, actually, you can wait. You can wait until the end of my conversation with JJ. But then you got to go immediately over to ExpressVPN slash Michael, letter Y, letter T. That is expressvpn.com slash Michael Y-T today. Head on over there momentarily after I finish this point with JJ. As we were saying. I don't really believe in consenting when you're properly under the influence. Bingo. That's great. So why not? Uh, Because I don't believe that you are fully within your... 
I want to say like within your mind, because if you're doing all the stuff that Hunter Biden has allegedly done, then you're probably out of your mind. But you're not fully in a state which, in which you can give consent. You're not in full command of your intellect and your will, is what you're well, saying, which is true. All, any of your faculties. Or any of your faculties, right, right. It probably, your bladder probably at that point, too. So that is, that is a great description of the near occasion of sin, which is that uh, we can do things that compromise our will and our intellect and lead us more into temptation, such that by the time that we're ready to call up that hooker on the Hunter Biden hotline, we've already, we've already so compromised our will and our intellect that we're, we, we have very little control over ourselves. That's insane. And the reason why- You just I, said it. No, but the reason why it's insane. No, I didn't say the part about, oh, by the time we have so little control of ourselves that, that, being, in a bar, that being in a bar means that you're- If they can't consent, then how is the act of simply being in a bar- Yeah, I know what I'm saying. If they can't consent, then how is it that they are consenting by simply being in a bar. Oh, what you said in the video was that because of the uh, near occasion of sin, you by the time you go to the bar and it's a and it's a Friday night or whatever, you're beginning the process of consenting well, not, to, not, to for, being drunk. For me, it's not that dangerous because I'm not an alcoholic. For all my many sins, that's not not one of mine. Uh, but as as I pointed out, I think in that video, if someone were a drunk, if someone were an alcoholic-inclined kind of person, mm-hmm. then to go to the bar, on the one hand, doesn't, doesn't seem like you're consenting to getting drunk. But if yeah. you know that you are so inclined, then if, by putting yourself around all those delicious-looking bottles and all those drunken people, you are more inclined to take the first drink. And once you take the first drink, you'll be more inclined to take the second drink. And by the time you take the second and third and fourth drink, you'll be yes, more inclined but if to you have took, to be Yeah, more inclined is not the same thing as consent. If you take the first drink, that doesn't mean people are granted to come up to you and give you more drinks. If you're in the bar and you're an alcoholic and no one really knows that you're an alcoholic, that doesn't mean that people are permitted to come up and just give you alcohol regardless well, or anyway, force you to drink it oh, because yeah, you're, you're you did not consent. It doesn't matter what you think you are tending to do based on your preconception or your predilection of uh, maybe I'm alcoholic, maybe I'm at this bar. Unless you drink and you are physically doing that, you aren't consenting. You just, and when I said that you can't consent sometimes because you're in that state of mind, yeah. that means that even if you were to be drunk, say you went and uh, did a, you drunk a bunch or whatever and then you wanted to have sex with somebody, right? Even if they say, yes, I do, it's not consenting right, because right. you're not in the right state of mind. You're trying to say, right. oh, because you're not in the right state of mind, you not even doing the action means, well, I just can't control myself, that, which means the same thing as consent. It's not. Some, some people can't. Uh, what I'm doing is just taking the principle that you've agreed to and taking it to its logical conclusion. No, you're not. Because the principle that I agreed to is that if you're under the influence, you cannot consent. You're saying that because you, you think- might have a predilection to being under the influence, what you do is not necessarily governed by consent because you have a predilection to do things that take you out of the influence. Are you suggesting- I'm, saying if, I'm saying if Hunter Biden drunk a bunch, right, and he did a bunch of drugs, right, and then some girl wanted to have sex with him, yeah. he said yes. I, in my book, that still doesn't count as consent because he has no governing over his right. faculties. So, uh, is, and, now, and I'm yeah. also saying that if he was sober and he said, I didn't want to have sex or, or I do want to have sex and someone else said no, they also, that is not consenting. So I'm saying consent is both revocable and it's not something that you can give if you're under the influence. Right. So, so if you were to go to a bar and you get alcohol anyway or whatever because... You know, I'm an alcoholic, and me being here means I'm more likely to drink. Unless you drink, you still haven't consented to being drunk. I guess 
then my question is, does, is booze or crack cocaine, is that the only thing that can compromise our will and our intellect? And kind it doesn't of matter what compromise. You're saying other them. things could too. Like if you're a sex addict, you know, and you go to a brothel, yeah. that, could comp- that could compromise it too. A- any number of things. If you're a big fat glutton and you're around a bunch of uh, cupcakes, that, that, could, that could take you out of your mind too, put you in a cupcake-filled ecstasy. So, <laughs> so the, the point is that there, the, the concept of the near temptation of sin is that temptation can uh, uh, increase and that we can do things that more or less incline us to fall further into temptation and more or less compromise our wills. Again, which you, so which that, you, I think you No, granted. what you're saying is a slippery slope argument. You're saying because we can do things sure, that yeah. can compromise our will, that means we could do something else that compromises our will, which means you could end up sitting down at the bar, which means you could drink, which mm-hmm. means that the first part when you walked in the door, that means you're already consenting to being drunk. That is a logical leap that is phenomenal. You get a world record for that long, Joe? It, it means that you're consenting to the possibility and the increased likelihood that you wind up drunk. You're Not that you inevitably the, would, but that you, yeah. You, I wouldn't even, like, in, the, in the bar analogy, it's so dumb because I wouldn't even say that you're consenting to the possibility because you could go to a bar and just not But you're drink. not an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. Alcoholics have a hard time going to bars and not drinking. Yeah, I mean, cool. Yeah. But that, so again, does not, that does not further your argument because applicable in one situation where someone might have a predilection and even then they still haven't but drunk. But that, that's the instance I'm that's, describing. Yeah. Okay. So then you're saying to, that to, to, you're saying to show that, the broader point so, of the near occasion. No, but you can't you can't draw that to the broader point. You're saying because an alcoholic might have a higher predilection to being drunk when they come into a bar, even though they haven't no, drunk yet. No, uh, uh, yeah. They're saying being in the bar for them in particular is much more is essentially yeah much yeah. more tempting. It's not consent though. You said much. You said consent. No, it's yes. You're consenting to that great increased temptation. So you're consenting to a possibility, but that's you're not consenting to being yeah. drunk? Yes, you're, consist- you're consenting that's, to the possibility. That's, that's, that's precisely the point. No, but you were saying it beforehand. And that- then you, you therefore incur some culpability for it by placing yourself in the near occasion of sin. So by being in a bar, okay, so again, I don't think you understand what, what consent is, but- What do you think consent is? So consent is giving the okay, being willing to, to partake in an action. Right. Not only just saying yes, but also being enthusiastic. Not saying that you have to be like, yes, I'm so ready. And so but like having a, having a will about it where you're like, I want to actually actively participate in this thing. So if you're telling me that the process of being in a bar in itself means that you're consenting to, and keep in mind, because if we're going to draw this back well, not to pregnancy, for me, but for the drunk. keep in yeah. mind, we're drawing this back to pregnancy. So it's not just like this one outcome, because you could consent to sex, but you couldn't, you don't have to consent to a relationship or you don't have to consent to like engaging with each other past that point. You consent to sex. If you're saying that that means you're consenting to every possible outcome of why, then you're saying being in a bar, is consenting to every possible outcome of being in a bar. So again, what is the problem if you're in a bar and someone comes and shoves tequila down your throat? So you're saying consent is a matter of willing, right? That's what you just said. Partially, yes. Okay. So like, And so how does one will? Will presupposes thought, right? Intellect. If you're consciously willing something, enthusiastically consenting, then you're reasoning about that thing and determining, is this going to be good for me, bad for me, true, false, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So to consent, you need to have reasonably solid faculties of will, mm-hmm. which presupposes a reasonably solid faculty of And if reason. you don't have reasonably solid faculties, then it's not consent. Exactly. That's the thing. So That's why if you're in a bar and you right. don't have reason and you don't have uh, your faculties right. about you, you drinking or you being in the bar still isn't consenting. And we're, when, when we are in the proximity of sin, when we're in the throes of lust or gluttony or whatever. Well, first of all, again, 
I don't want to bring us all the way back to a meta-ethical meta conversation, but you would need to even substantiate that sin is a real thing that exists and that is you, your, and it's the sin that you believe in. It's the actions that you believe in that are sin and not any other religion. You, you need to deduce that via reason and evidence. And then after you establish that, could you only then say that being in near instances of sin is, but you, you don't even make that logical. Do, do you think that some things are better or worse than other things? Yeah. Okay. So then we agree that there is such a thing morality as morality and there's such a thing as virtue. And there's such a thing as morality, there's such a thing as virtue, but if you're telling me that- And, and therefore wearing, sin too. If, yeah, but if, no, okay. because if you're telling me that well, what wearing is sin? mixed fabrics is, is a sin, well, I can disagree with you there. Well, I don't think just, it might be a sartorial sin, but it's not a moral sin. I mean, what, do you know what sin is? I mean, that's a commandment. What do you mean a sartorial sin? Don't wear it? mixed fabrics? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, to understand uh, the Christian religion, one needs to understand it in the light of the incarnation and the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the history of the church, mm -hmm. which is the, the rock on which our Lord built his church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. So there, there are certain uh, ritual laws of the Old Testament nation of Israel. There are certain moral laws. There are certain, right? So there are different, different kinds of laws that are prescribed in uh, the books of the Bible, uh, which is, could be a long conversation in itself. Yeah. But you've just said that there's good and bad, and so therefore there has to be sin, because sin is, is merely wow. privation of the good. That, what do again, you think sin is? I, I don't think that sin exists. That's my thing. I don't think that. But you I said good exists. Yeah, I think there's okay, good and, do you and think, bad. Do you think that something could be deprived of good? What do you mean by deprived? Could something be bad? Yes, things can be good. Then and you bad. agree that sin exists. That doesn't that's all mean sin that be. sin exists. Well, that, I'm, so that's again, the definition again, of sin. Again, you can say it's yeah because sin is a specific religious concept. So if you're saying that well, just, bad exists, concept. You know, I'm saying bad. there are many things that are bad that aren't sin. If there's if I'm walking next to, if I'm walking next to somebody and there's they're in a wheelchair and there's a ramp right and I could go up the stairs that's right next to them but I choose to run in front of them and go up the ramp that's not a sin I can look at someone who does that and be like there's the you're able bodied the, the the stairs are right there you didn't have to cut the person in line and go run up the ramp and they obviously need the ramp to be used right now you could have walked up the stairs mm -hmm. that's not sin that's just a bad thing if I if if I lie sinful to injure a disabled person. How is that injuring? I said walking up the stairs in front of well, does you, it No, like, you cut them off. Yeah. That's what you're saying. That yeah, would, would, I don't mean cut them off as in like push them out the way. I'm just saying just like if you guys are, them and, Yeah, you can just cut around them, yeah, go up the stairs, and you that? didn't you didn't you what's, didn't need to go up the ramp. But that's you're, not, you're not inconveniencing them. Well, you just said you're not injuring them at all. Yeah. What do you mean by do you mean physical injury or do you mean like like tort law type injury where it's like any any like I damages? Mean, I or... just mean to harm them in any way, you know. Well, Whether I wouldn't say inconveniencing them for their meeting, or yeah, I could say that it would be an inconvenience to them, and I could also like put my moral thing on it. Again, like legality, morality—that's a whole other thing. I don't think it should be illegal for people who are able-bodied to walk up the ramp, but I can say morally, that's not my most favorite action. You could have walked up the stairs just fine, but you chose to cut in front of this person who needs the ramp now to put yourself ahead of them when you had a whole other option that wouldn't even get in their way. So I can say that that's bad, but that's not a sin and sin is dictated by religious creed and it's set out specifically in Christianity with the various things that are sins but that doesn't mean that everyone else is or that doesn't mean that there's things that you can't do that are bad that aren't sins or things that we can consider good that maybe like we're white after can. labor day that would be bad but it's not a sin <laughs> but it's like i don't think that i don't think that when we say that something is sin um, or or a near occasion of sin therefore means that you're consenting to being drunk by being in a bar. That's a logical leap that you would need to even prove that sin exists first. And by you trying to prove it by saying, well, good and bad exist, that doesn't mean that your religious concept of sin exists.
you would need to substantiate that first. Well, right. Sin, or religion rather, is, as I said, just giving God what he deserves. That's what religion most Religion is. is the thing that presupposes that God is a thing that you can give what Well, it certainly also presupposes that God exists. Yeah. But, so, no, so that's what I'm saying. It's like and, you can't and, say that, you can't define religion as giving God what, what he will, but you, that's, that's the whole thing. You're kind of sneaking the definition in without substantiating yeah, it. No, it, uh, yes, R- religions uh, orient themselves toward God. That's true. So if you're, so it's if a you're an atheist, system that orients itself towards a god, or right. or tries to uh, theorize about God or gods. Yeah, it just yeah, it acknowledges that God exists. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it belief. It's a belief that God does exist. It, yeah, you so see what a, I mean it's a, there? It's a true opinion. I know. I know that you see what I mean there because I know you're a smart guy. So I know that like your rhetorical strategies are are can be on point. But the thing is, if you're saying why do you that, think they're on point? I think it's on point because a lot of people who are watching this who don't really who might not like me or might not. Maybe they do versed. like you. Or maybe, maybe they do. But a lot of them who might not be too versed on like rhetorical strategies can see because they believe it's like, yeah, it's just acknowledging that God exists. Why do you exists. think my religion is persuasive in this case? Is I think it, that you're perhaps because it's well-reasoned? No, no. It's not at all. I well, think it's because of the way that you say things. If you would let me finish explaining sure. why I think it's on point. I think because when you just said right there, you said uh, it's uh, acknowledging that God exists, right? Yeah. That's because it's a common sense statement to you and to your audience. If you say religion is acknowledging that God exists, that of course they're going to say, yeah, because I believe that God exists. And if you're religious, you acknowledge that God exists. But you kind of leaped past, which is why it's not reasonable or sound. You leap past the part where, wait, do we really know that a God exists? And if we do, we do. how do we demonstrate? Well, here's how we demonstrate. Uh, things are in motion, right? We're in motion. You and I are in motion. Yes, the, the earth is in motion. The stars are in motion. The galaxies are in motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, things in motion do not put themselves into motion. So, I, like, for instance, if I had a ball here, I could take this ball and I could throw it at another ball on that desk over there. Well, that's, and then that ball, this ball that was moving that I threw, would hit the other ball and that ball would fall down on the ground. It would roll. And that ball would maybe roll over, I don't know, another little tiny ball on the ground. And it would keep, you would see things continue to move as a consequence of those actions. So we can go back and say, well, Michael, how did you start moving? And I'll tell you how I started moving because my mother and father loved each other one night and they created me. And how did that, and you can go back through all of these uh, actions that caused movement. But ultimately, you're going to have to come to an unmoved mover who is God. Or no, you could actually, so it could be an unmoved mover. It could be that there's a finite amount. It reduces by finite amounts, the amount of movement. So in that ball analogy, when you throw the ball and it hits another ball, it would be slowly slowing down because of the force of friction. So it could be something that was moving or maybe has the potential to be moved that just hasn't been actualized yet. It doesn't need to be an unmovable mover. And if it no, is no, no, I'm not saying it. I'm saying the, the unmoved mover is at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying the beginning doesn't need to be an unmoved mover. And if it is, and How we're not? bringing, and if we're, if it is, and we're bringing it back to a, a God perspective, yeah. then if God is the same today, tomorrow, always, and is the unmoved mover then what does prayer do? Think about it. If God is changing their mind about something, not changing their mind, but say I God call to, say I pray to God, say I pray to God about something, right? I want him to yeah. fulfill something for me. I want him to uh, make my water into wine right here. Let's say that I pray to God for that. Right. He'd have to do something that he wasn't doing already in order to make that happen. Well, but God, He'd have to answer my prayer, correct? But God, God if, if God were to exist, mm-hmm. God would be the creator of all things. Mm-hmm. By definition. Yeah. So God would create not only space, but time. Mm-hmm. Right? So God would necessarily be outside of space and outside of time. Oh, he wouldn't. 
necessarily. He could. He would. Again, we're talking about— If he's about, the maker of all things, then he made time. No, well, I mean, if he's the maker of all things, he could make time, but he could also make himself subject to time because, again, this is the power of a god we're talking about. We're operating on the framework that, as we understand time, well, the this thing is, that has you, to create time has to be outside of it. But like I was saying— you've, you've like arrived, I was saying, God does enter into time in the incarnation. Yeah, but, but like you, was, You've arrived at an important distinction between oh, hold on, Christianity hold on. Before, and before we Before we get to the distinction, I want to press down on the fact that if God has created this water right here, this water currently is not wine. It doesn't matter at which point he decides to make it wine, he has to decide to make it wine. That is, in a sense, in, in, in a sense the unmoved mover moving. Because you have to be in a state of mind to, okay, I made this, this is water. I now want this to be wine. That is you making a decision. You are changing your mind about something. Well, yeah, if, if you- that's the case, then God has to be a moved mover. Because you cannot say that, oh, well, you know what? He's just an unmoved mover, but I'm going to pray to him and he's going to do something for me that he hasn't already done because he has to change something about himself in order to do that well, thing. Well, our lives unfold in history. And the, the way to understand God's relationship to history is through a concept of providence. Uh, Christianity is especially uh, an historical understanding of God because God takes on human flesh in the incarnation and then lives for 33 years and then is crucified and then on the third day rises again from the dead and then he's on earth for 40 days and then he ascends up into heaven and sends the Holy Spirit to his church, which is the visible expression of God's kingdom here on earth. So I'm with you in God's role in history, but the, the error you've made is that you uh, have uh, forced God to be subject to time before God made time. No, I'm saying, but... Again, this is assuming that he did any of those things, but I'm saying, how do you know that he couldn't have made himself subject to that time? How do we know that it's without? Because God, how God do we is, know that it's outside of the possibility of a God to because both create God time has to come, and create himself in the time? How do we well, know that well, one has to proceed? How do we know that one has to proceed another for operating on the framework of because, God? Because the Creator has to proceed the created. Yeah, but that's space, a, space time well, okay. is created. It's part of the physical creation. Well, does it have to? Again, we're talking about God here. Yeah. If I create something, I have to precede that thing. If God creates something, we don't know what God can do. We're here talking about abortion and life and everything in our aspect. Apparently, there are angels and everything that are subject to a completely different realm when it comes to life and how they perceive it. So, Subject to God's sovereignty. No, I know. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, of course, but I'm saying that... Um, we, for, for all we know, life could be created on in a billion different ways. It doesn't even just have to be the way we came about. If we have angels, we have other things up in a different realm in heaven. Don't that's life. The, please that don't is, get into the aliens. Uh, no, no, I'm saying that's life, but it's, it's subject to a completely different subsector rule. So we're saying the way we internalize it is, well, obviously something has to precede this other thing, has to precede this other thing, has to precede this other thing. That not only is, does not have to be the case with a God, even if that is the case— all it could imply is that there could be various things. It could gradually decrease. It doesn't have to be a, a singularity. It could be a, a string of things that are kind of gradually going about. It doesn't even have to. It could be an infinite regress. Yeah, things regress. develop in history. Yeah, yeah it could be an infinite regress for all we care. We don't know. It can't be that. How? Why can't it not? Because there has to be an unmoved mover. Or I'll, I'll give you an, let, let's say, so, if, if this, if but, this okay, doesn't Okay, so if, that's, if, it's, if we're looking at change, right, if we're talking about an unmoved mover or whatever— how is it that change is just conceptualized as just something proceeding after another, right? We could change could be a change in color, a change in property of something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We could say that something created something or whatever, and it wasn't even necessarily just a progression of it. It just kind of shifted in color, or it 
gradually decreases or anything, any of the above possibilities. Because we're talking about a God here. For you to assume that because one thing must cause another, must cause another, must cause another, and we can't have I'm it just go saying on they forever. Did. I'm just saying it. Yeah, they, right. They, the the How things do you happen now, yeah. just by definition, has followed the thing that immediately preceded it. Yeah. Right. In our world, yes. So I'm what saying is, yeah. if we're working within the scope of a God, we have no idea what laws or 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 um, well, we do because we're made in the image and likeness of God. That's how we can your reason. Belief. Well, but so so, I'm, so you can't say that. Well, I know this property about God, and God definitely has this property because I'm made in the image of God, and this is how it works. How do you? But you're presupposing that that God even exists. In how, the first how do you know anything? How do I know anything? Um, I usually analyze like. Uh, I, I think the basis for knowing things is subject to uh, evidence. So basically, when I say I know that I'm like here, right? It's not like I pulled out a bunch of dictionaries and I'm like, well, what is the definition of here? It's, we, it's a known fact about the world that people exist. And I'm How do you know that? Conscient, huh? Because we can see that. We can observe. How do you know that what you're seeing is real? And not just a hallucination. That's a, that's a big question. I don't think you truly can know that. I think I can know with. But you're very confident in your opinions. I think. But, that, but you just said you're not confident that. You and know I'm also confident in the things that I don't know. I think it's confidence being able to say when you don't know a thing. I think that. But what you've just said is you don't know for certain that you know anything at all. Yeah, I don't think you can know anything for certain. I'm. Oh well, I, I'm I reasonably certain that you cannot know anything, everything for certain. Well, of course not. But but yeah. but I'm not asking if you can know everything. I'm asking or if anything. you can know anything. Anything for certain. You can know it to a degree of certainty. Oh. I think you can get infinitely close to like that 100. You can get 99.999. Okay, how can you get that close? How can you get that evidence? How do you know that you can rely on the evidence that you're seeing? Well, I think that knowing that I can rely on the evidence that I'm seeing, I can always like see evidence that leads me astray, but it's a process of like mental reasoning that you can see various things that lead up or that. Uh, but give good warrant to believing yes. a certain proposition. But how, that doesn't by default mean that that proposition is true. Yeah. If you're going to go for the brain in a vat, it could all be a simulation. We genuinely no, don't have an answer to I'm, that. I'm point. not saying. I'm not even asking that. I'm asking. Well, that's how do you, kind of what you're asking. It isn't. Right? How do you know that you can rely on your faculty of reason to communicate to you the truth? Because I think that. How, how do like, you know that your your reason is dependable? If I think my reason's dependable, or I know my reason's dependable because of things like evidence. It's so when I look at when I'm when I'm analyzing, yeah, so I'm saying, when you're building your reason, right? Why would you have reason to believe something? Well, I know the the things that I have to operate within me right now. I know that I have articles that I can read about abortion. I know I can I have studies and everything. But I'm I can asking, say I'm I can one say step that further I further back than that. Yeah, honestly. I'm saying I can say that like, oh well. I don't know this for certain. Again, that can track back to literally everything. Maybe you I'm not. Maybe I'm not asking the question properly. I'm. I'm not asking how you have an opinion about abortion. I'm asking how you trust that any opinion you reach, that any perception you have about anything, is reliable and has some accordance with reality. So that's the again. That's the brain in the vat question. Because what I, what you're saying is, how do you even? So if I say, um, I think that that cup has, or this cup has water in it. And you're saying, well, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, we know that water exists. We have the molecular makeup, whatever. And you're like, well, how do you know you can rely on molecular makeup? I'm like, well, there's a science, there's a field of scientists that have broken down the, the composition of water. And you, you're like, you well, how do you, on the you know what I'm saying? And you're saying, well, how do you know that you can even rely on that? And it's like, well, truthfully, I don't think you can know anything for 100%. 
but you can so it's an, do, it, you can work within the framework that you're it's operating an axiom, in. Right? It's an axiom yeah. that you're just beginning with. So what you're beginning with is precisely where I begin, which is that you are made in the image and likeness of God, and the defining no, feature not. about you is your reason. <laughs> so you're saying that. The what do you only, think it means? So to you're be saying made in the, the only way. So God. wait, okay, wait. So and it's funny because this argument doesn't even support theism because you could be created in the image and a likeness of a God, but what's to say that that God is the reason for why you have reason? What do you think the phrase "being made in the image and likeness of God" means? Literally, whatever people no, I mean, who believe in a God want it to mean. It well, could what do you be, think it means? It, it, Christians even disagree about this in the same way. It could be, oh, well, we're just we are just like God. We can be co-eternal with God if we take the right steps. No, or it could be. There's Christian science. No, it's not Christian scientists. It's a, uh, ooh, I forgot what, what the religious dominate, denomination of Christianity is, but they do actually believe that. They have like a, is it Mormons? They have a father, mother, God, and they believe that each of them can, can become like God, but they can never excel to the level of God. That's just their personal belief. Well, what, what, but what would it mean to, what, what would it mean? It's funny. Well, I don't, the thing is, I don't know what that You don't know means. the answer. So the answer is, because uh, I don't believe it. So the, Okay, but you can you you can know things about things that you don't. So whatever know. properties, whatever properties you, what I think that being made in the image and likeness of God is, is whatever properties you attribute to that God, you guys I can, share similar. It's properties. not a trick question. There is actually that, that, no. That's what I'm. That's what my answer is. It's whatever. There's whatever. a more specific answer, which is our intellect well, and our will, our reason. That well, that is what ma- that is what it the means answer to be made. that you believe is the case. Because you could very well believe. <laughs> no, you could very well believe in your God, and people who believe in a different God than you could be could believe that being made in the image of them is a completely subset different subsect of categories and attributes that we attribute to ourselves. Again, you would need to demonstrate that yours is the one and only correct one first before you base your axiom off of all that because you're just working off a big assumption. No matter how deeply you believe it, at the end of the day, it is one big assumption. But, but, and at least but I can show you progress and steps to where I can you get can't to know. You yeah, can't. Can. You just said that you have to assume that your reason is reliable. You have to take that merely as an assumption, no, but as you a premise to start that. with. You can. you can test that. You if, I can, if I come up with various conclusions, say if we wanted to know something, say if we wanted to know what water is, right? Yeah. And if we came up with a criteria by which we measure that and the chemical composition and everything, right? And we see, we studied the, the water cycle. We study everything that has to do with water. And we come up with a very, we come up with predictions on, okay, well, given these circumstances, water should act like this. If we got all our properties down and we reasoned through this and we knew this correctly, we were able to know something correctly, then given that, water should act like this in this given circumstances. We have yet to be wrong about that. I don't know if water can just go from freezing to just like vanish in an instant. It could, but we have no demonstration of that. All we have is a pattern of research and understanding yep. to this point that shows that we're able to make predictions and see this is actually how this is working. So with that in mind, we can say, okay, this is fairly reasonable. We can rely on this. If we were just looking at it as like, well, water is clear, which means it must be have some property of becoming invisible. Well, it, we can say, oh, yeah, well, I, I think that that's the case. But if it continuously gets proven wrong and it never happens, then that's not right, a reasonable you're, thing. But, but you're, you're— If you're going to ask me how do we know that patterns are reasonable, well— or, or how do you know—I mean, to use the example that you like coming back to, how do you know that you're not just, uh, you know, living in a video game or something? I, again, that, I don't That would that be that, that, an assumption. It's just a premise. I don't know if I would—I don't know if—like, I, I think that— I wouldn't call it an assumption or I wouldn't call it a premise or anything because I don't genuinely think that you can know that. But, but you live I, as though you're but not. I don't think that you, I don't think. You live as though things are significant. I don't think that even if your brain was in a vat, I don't think that that means that the things we're experiencing aren't significant. That's one of the things you, that gets back live, to God. Live, I think if we're living even without a God, I don't think that that means that everything is insignificant. But you live as though your faculties of reason are, are dependable and that you're not being perpetually deceived. 
Well, yeah. And yeah. Okay. talk so about they, perpetually deceived. Yeah. How do you determine you're not being perpetually deceived? I think you're lying if you don't realize that it's analyzing the things that are at your disposal and making predictions and analyzing. Right. You just, yeah, you, you have to take it. You, you have but to if you're going to premise. if you're going to say yeah. because we 100% don't know for certain that everything around us is a figment of our imagination, therefore we're operating on faith, and that faith is the same faith as this God who apparently has told you everything you need to do and could never be wrong, despite well, but, the fact that everyone else believes in different gods. That's not quite what I'm saying. That's, but it's close. It's you're close. trying to draw that. No, it's close. And what, it's what, not what I'm saying working. is that what what I'm saying is that there are many different modes of inquiry, of mm-hmm. philosophical deliberation, scientific inquiry, and a whole number of manner of inquiry. Uh, but they all have to begin with intuitive reasoning and with the assumption of premises. In the same way that mathematics has to begin with a, with a set of assumptions. A plus B equals B plus A. You can't prove that, but those are, the, the, oh, those are some of the axioms. You can prove that once you test it. If, you, if I say, perhaps, if I say, perhaps if I say, you uh, if I say, Euclid about that. Yeah, if I say two plus two equals four, right? Again, the, the, we can say that the, the number system that we developed for it is like but you would have to, a figment of language, but... The principle, if you have two objects and you add two more objects and you count But I'm, I'm saying four. even more axiomatically. You yeah. have to begin with three plus two equals two plus three, for instance. Yeah, so if, we, just if we did no that, then we could, we could run experiments or tests to make sure this formula applies in every scenario. We shouldn't get three plus two equals one plus seven. We shouldn't get that at any given point if our things are working correctly. Let me, let me see if, if I can continue, press this. If we continue to get these same answers and we continue to not be proven wrong in these same things, you can know with a higher degree of certainty whether or not you're correct about that. If you can you know can, anything at all. You could never know for sure that everything around you is a figment, but even if everything is around you is a figment, you still know things within that figment. And it's not necessarily like the Perhaps same leap, yeah. leap of You just faith. don't know it, you, but you could be deceived at any point. But would it, it, you, would would, it be, you wouldn't necessarily rely on, say, continuity, that the world you're living in today is the same world that, was, that existed but for a second. But my thing is that you can't know that either. You say you can. Right, because, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just beginning yeah. with certain but premises. What, but if, and then but, using my reason based on those premises. Yeah, and if we're gonna, to, if we're gonna begin with certain premises and everything, what would be more of being deceived? Us, in reality, all being brains and vats. But not only do I, I'm comfortable with saying, I don't know that for certain, but here's these things I can work with. Whereas you say, well, no, we're not a brain and a vat. I know this story, and this story is the one true story, and everyone else's stories are wrong. While the whole time told you, Michael. Yeah, greatest story you ever told. So it's like, which one it would be more of a level of deceit? You could say that it's just the one that's true. Would would be the one that's true would be the true. No, 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 the one that's. The one that's real and true would be the real and true one, and yeah. the one that's a deceit would be the deceit. But even so, say say like truth is say the truth is that our brains are in a vat, and we can never necessarily obtain that truth, right? Because we don't really have a way of proving that we're not in a vat. I feel like my position of okay, here's what we're working at. Let's try to make these observations, see where it gets us. Okay, this is leading here. Okay, maybe we can predict this. Maybe we can predict that. I think using that method of reasoning is infinitely more likely to get you closer to the truth of the matter, that being we find something that determines, oh, it must be a simulation, as opposed to the belief system of, okay, well, I believe in this deity, and this is how this deity is telling me to act. And you trying to make those equivalents in, in leaps because we can't for sure know that's I think, I think we're, we're missing the point a little, so uh, let me try We're, we're way off the point. I want to get me, back to Let me abortion, try it a different way. But, but, but on this point, uh, to use a popular question, can a man become a woman? That's a, that's a weird question to ask. It's a weird question. It's kind of weird ask. that we have to ask it, isn't it? Well, no, because genders in different societies have always been fluid and have always worked. So it's like when you, so when sure you ask, that. can a man become a woman? It's like, well, a person can become 
whatever they want. But it's like if I'm you're just subscribing to the category of man, then you unless you stop subscribing to that category. A person like, a person can't become whatever he wants. A person can't become a seagull, for instance. Oh. I'm so we can't about, become whatever yeah, yeah, he wants. Because we have to stick within our species. Yes, I understand that right. we can't physically become a seagull. But so I'm saying, can one man sex and woman, become the opposite sex? Man and woman is not objective in the fact that a sma- and a, a seagull and a human is. Those are completely different. Yeah, in one beings. we're talking about differences in species, and one we're talking about differences in sexes. So my question is, can one sex become the opposite sex? Can one sex become no? Can a man become a woman? Can an individual man become an individual woman? Yeah, if they were identifying as a man first and then they said, nah, I'm going to shift up and I want to become a woman, then yes, they can. But like the category how? of man, what do you mean how? How can that man become a so, woman? So when it comes to sex and when it comes to gender and everything, there are many different biological processes that go into determining one's sex and then corresponding with that gender. Mm-hmm. Someone could be biologically male and their testicles could like grow inside of them. And they would, they because there's a, I forgot what the specific gene is, but it like doesn't bind to a specific receptor and it doesn't release the right hormone. So you end up developing the same body yeah, as They have a deformity. Yeah, yeah. Well, not the same body. You've got testicles. No, yeah. As in like everything that from an outside perspective looking in, everything that we'd associate with being a woman, broader hips, uh, breasts, every like all the physical attributes. You could develop all, the all physical of that. Attributes? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously outside of like a uterus or something. But like you yeah, could, like and important. even then there are women who don't. But anyway, besides the point, you could develop all those things that would classify anyone in any other circumstance as a They're woman. They're not all those things. You just admitted. They're like the, the central essential things you're not developing. Is your genitalia the central essential thing? That's the differentiator. So what sex, gender so. or what sex are, so intersex people are real, correct? Well, uh, people have genital deformities in certain chromosomes. When you say, when you yeah. say genital, genital deformities, that's kind of like. Like what ass- you just described. You know, but you're kind of assuming that that's like. It's a defect. Because yeah. it. I wouldn't say necessarily it's a defect because, again, our genes and our hormones have all types of... We are all born with, like, the same, like, not same possibility of becoming a man or a woman or a boy or a girl because you don't get born a man or a woman. But, like, you're born with that same genetic code where if a receptor doesn't bind to a receptor or if it does or if you have XXY or, or whatever, you, that significantly shifts what your outward presentation is going to be. So if we're talking about what someone's gender is or what someone's sex is, there's always been variation in humans, especially. The categories that we... Women. (laughs) They're the categories that we assign to those variations. We can draw a box around it, but us drawing boxes around it is just trying to best understand to our ability. But if there are people who are clearly fitting outside of those boxes, there is nothing wrong than just redrawing the box. We always do that all the time. Some people have deformities. Uh, that's true, and we, we uh, even though they can usually be pretty clearly classified. It's, like it's, if you have testicles, you're probably a man. But it, you just said something different. Yeah, if you which have is, testicles, you're a male. Yeah, but the category of man is something that we ascribe to the people who are traditionally male. That's what I'm saying. So when it, right, a so man, is a, man is a male is not, human. Yeah, a, adult. Well, a man would be. It can be like again, a man corresponds to the category of male human adult. Right, but it, it's not is that thing. There are more things than just being a male human adult that makes you a man. If I were to go on like Jesse Lee Peterson's show and I'm talking to him about how I like respect women or something, he could call me a beta, a beta male. I'm less of a man. But he wouldn't call you a woman. Huh? 
He could call me womanly. He's called people on multiple occasions. Woman, who a said, woman, a wo- he said he's he's no. I'm pretty sure he would call me a woman because he would call he's you literally womanish. He wouldn't think you're an actual. Well, he has a lot of things going on, so he could but, probably call me womanly, woman, all of the above. He w- thinks people who are liberal, a man who behaves in an effeminate. He way. thinks that yeah. people who are liberal are women or womanly anyway. So he could call me all of the above. The point being that the category of man is much more than just what chromosomal makeup you have. But even in a society where you can say, oh, that's acting womanly, there are societies that have existed prior to us and that currently exist today where roles are flipped. Men will stay home and take care of children. W- uh, women will go and kill and hunt and everything. No, That's really. been the, like yes, they say that. Most that hunter-gatherer did. societies have been intensely egalitarian. We have this notion that it's always been the big strong man going out to That's not even like a, a realistic expectation because if your big strong man is always the one going out to hunt, that means they're always the most likely one to die and then you die out with that strategy and but, as but, opposed to if you all work together, which is why we're such a social species. That's been established. So, so you would send the women, the weaker sex, out to hunt? There's societies that Wouldn't do that all the time. I, I there, go there hunt with them. Really. Is the thing. What I, do you mean there, there aren't really? In, in, have, you, have you read anything in anthropology? Yeah. yeah. And what book told you that there, that there aren't be, really societies in there, which they— There are the mythical Amazons and a few examples. Uh, I'm pretty sure you could go on PBS um, and which like tribes a website would you and— Which are the, in which the women go out and oh. For the life of me, we studied um, multiple tribes in what is it? It's like it's sub-Saharan Africa. I know it's southern. Is it in Ghana? I forgot exactly what the name of the tribes were. We had a whole chapter on in my anthropology course where we talked about um, conceptions of gender and and uh, sexuality throughout different yeah. cultures. And there's a uh, I can't remember the name and it's gonna eat me alive. Yeah. But there are groups in which the women will will hunt like and do the tackle and everything. They they do this. They have another thing called, um, it's kind of like self-deprivation, where like if someone goes out and gets a kill, they won't brag about it. If they brag about it, then the other people will like joke back at them, but in a fierce way to like humility? diminish. Yeah, humility is good. Yeah, but like it's, it's not even like you imposing your own humility. It's like they will humble you if they feel like you're, because they right. all feel like that's the right. Yeah, a lot of things that we do yeah. will, are, are correct or fit for our society because we believe that it is that way. But that's not to say that there aren't societies in which people work together. Even in our society, is a lot more right, egalitarian we, we work in principle because we women can't just afford to sit at home and not work anymore as much as they used to. We're all kind of working together to provide that income and but make we, children get a better um, society and a better life that yeah, way. I'm not sure they're getting a better society. And also, someone has I, to take care of the women. So usually what happens is the woman goes out to work and then makes some money and then pays some other woman to raise the kid at daycare. So it's not like you've actually fixed that problem. You've just changed the way the economy works. That's but I, an but, assumption. But it is. Someone's got to raise the kids. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, both. Who, it could be a man. But if, but if, if men and women are both at work, then who's raising the kid? Yeah, I'm saying they both share time. Or you could get a daycare. No, they're both at work. And even then, it doesn't necessarily need to be a woman taking, taking care of the kids. The reason why it is a woman is because we've socially assigned the role of caregiver to woman and of worker to men, despite them both being capable of doing either job, which is what other societies have seen, which is why both of them do either You just job. can't name them right now. Oh, no, I can't. No, I can't. Yeah. All right. I, so again, but again, I want to. I, I I like the chuckle, and it is fun. But like, if you genuinely do care about the issue, you can go look up gender diversity within within species or gender I'm sure diversity that I'll within find human societies. Some, some Amazon tribe. Literally, Google gender diversity within human societies, and just because they're Amazon, why do you keep saying? Amazon? Because that's the the mythical tribe of female warriors. So well, that I, doesn't yes. even that doesn't even need to. No, it's not female warriors. Is not what I'm saying. I'm saying egalitarian societies. I'm pretty. I sure thought you said the women go out and fight. And yeah, the, I'm saying there are some societies where that's, that's the right. women do that, but there's also more societies in which it's more an equal thing. Even okay. since we were 
cavemen. It now, more of an equal thing. So getting back to what we were just discussing, for, since you grant that a, a man can become a woman, then getting back to even what we were previously talking about, how would that man know that he is a woman? And how would you know that that that's man a completely, is a woman? That's a completely societally formed thing. So the way I would know that somebody who's a male is, or doesn't want to be a man anymore, they want to be a woman, I'd know by things like how they outwardly present. Things like the type of societal roles they want to ascribe to over a different one. Sometimes it, there's nothing, there's no rule saying women must have long hair. But whenever people think of a woman, they usually think of somebody with long hair. So if you want to subscribe to that role, a step people will take will be to grow out their hair or something. Doesn't mean that they need to do it, but that's just something that we kind of assume is womanly, despite the fact that there are many men with long hair. There are certain roles that you can pick and you can choose, and you're like, but I thought I you said to- the roles don't matter, and they're all just sort of socially assigned. Just because they're socially assigned doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Race has no root in biology, but the impacts of race are still felt. What do you mean race has no root, uh, in, root biology. in biology? I mean that it has no root in biology. There's greater geneal- genealogical differences between members of a given race and members of completely different races. But Black people they're... in the United States are the most diverse race when it comes to genealogical perspective because we live in a society where race is based on ancestry. So if your great-great-grandpappy was black, you technically could be classified as black depending on how you present, despite the fact that I'm way darker than that person. So you're, you're black, and I'm at least vaguely white. A little mm-hmm. Sicilian, but I would be identified as white. Mm-hmm. No one would be confused about that fact. Even, even if I took on all the cultural attributes stereotypically uh, associated with black people, and you did that oh, for white people, see, that's no the, one would that's be confused. That's the conflation thing, is that because two subjects are socially constructed does not mean that they're socially constructed in the same way. Of course. So there's not really like attributes that you could take on as a black person that would make people confused about whether or not you're black because the conceptual the con- the concept of being black is specific phenotypes that are dependent on heritage and then also like You're talking about like your hair is different than my hair. Yeah, like my so your hair bone is structure is different hair. than my bone structure. You're not even bone structure necessarily because there's not that much variation in bone structure at least in African Americans in the United States. But, but I'm saying between um, between different races. Yeah, but the reason why Asians, no one would the, the reason people. why no one would confuse you for being black and no one would confuse me for being white and everything is because the way we conceptualize race in today's society is well, this category what I look like, certain attributes that I have classify as your black. body. Yeah, your yeah, you're, that's biological. Yeah, no. Your body is your body is formed through biological process, but the value in the terms and the boxes we draw are not biological. So in the in Rome, in ancient Rome, yeah. it was either you were a Roman or you were a barbarian. If you were a member of Roman society, if you were a Roman citizen or whatever, you were considered a Roman. They had different skin colors in Rome, but that doesn't mean that they didn't. But they still they, didn't they still under, as race. They did. They, they saw that their race was difference. Roman, and every other race was. Barbarian. There is that, no. That is, they didn't say, "Oh, I'm true. black Roman. I'm brown Roman. I'm white Roman." Those are boxes that we've drawn in American that, society. Where, wh- box. Wh- why do you think that isn't true? Why do you think how? That? Well, there's a good book came out in uh, 2006 on racism in ancient Greece and ancient Rome. It's by Benjamin Isaac, who is a, a Princeton historian and classicist, and he points out that the concepts of race and even racial hostility were extraordinarily present in the ancient Roman and ancient Greek worlds. And it goes back much earlier than that, actually. It goes back to like the Egyptian Book of Gates, which was written roughly 3,500 years ago. In the Egyptian Book of Gates, you you see a discussion of different races of people. Not merely cultural differences, but what were the races? So that's my thing. Well, uh, Libyan, uh, uh, Nubian, uh, Egyptian. I forget the fourth one. 
But I'm saying no, no, like, no. This was 3,500 years ago. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying race as we conceptualize it yes. in this society. The, the ancient. Yeah, there can be other races in like ancient society, but their racial categories were not what our racial categories are. And even then, I'm not going to dispute what the word of the historian is right now. I'm going to look it up after it. I guarantee yep. you're probably misrepresenting it. But assuming that you're not, I'm going to be charitable and assume that you're not. Yeah. When we talk about race in ancient times, a lot of times, at least from the scholarship that I've seen, it's things they'll talk about like eye color and they'll do hair color, but they wouldn't like refer to it as we are one united race and you well, guys because, are a because an empire race. conquered all that territory. Yeah, so even, even from a logistical standpoint, it's physically impossible for them to have the, the racial categories that we did today. No, they, oftentimes still, it was, they still had racial categories, though. Yeah, th- but, this was true through the Middle Ages, too. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a myth. There's a myth pushed by liberals, uh, especially in this one book that was written by some random op-ed journalist, uh, The New Jim Crow, that suggested that race is a, a creation of the last couple hundred years no, by white people. in the United States true. it is. The reason why is because... The thesis goes even more ambitious than that and says, as you've been saying, that antiquity didn't have conceptions of racial differences, but that's not true. No. And through the Middle Ages, it's true. You see, even the Muslims... No, they had... No, what I'm saying is they had conceptualization of racial differences, but the concept of race are completely different depending on society. So, in Roman times, you could probably get away with being confused as being a Roman because there were very specific things. They weren't even like very specific things, but if they considered you a barbarian, it was an outsider, somebody who isn't like us. You could slip into a given society and assimilate enough to where it's like people could confuse you as a Roman, but they will never confuse you as black and me as white because in America, the categories we have drawn is skin color and, and certain phenotypical features despite the fact that we have gender and we have a genetic diversity across genders. Yeah. I mean, I across the, races. The thing is, the, those categories have always existed. If you, if that you doesn't read, mean that they're biologically rooted because a group of people is born I'm, with blue I'm eyes does not mean that the blue eyes is a, a thing that must be assigned value out of some biological reason. I'm, we assign value to it out of some yeah, I'm not. I'm not utility. saying anything about value at all. I'm just. I'm just saying that. You're That's making, how the racial category is. But you're making. You're making an historical point that in antiquity, through the Middle Ages, people did not conceive of race based on these bi- biological or phenotypical character. I'm saying race is not rooted. biologically rooted. I didn't say that right. there were no racial differences. But I said, like in Rome, Roman was their race. Barbarian were right. other. But I'm, races. I'm saying that's not true. And. Ah. Uh, because I cited, for instance, no, but you, you, what you cited was yeah. them saying there were racial differences and racial hostilities, and yeah, thinking, again, yeah. but that does not. I said there were, but there it varies depending. But you were on you were saying you were saying there so was no distinction other than between Roman and barbarian. Yeah, okay, saying that is okay. True. I can I can grant the point that there are probably other distinctions besides just Roman and barbarian. But I'm saying yeah. while there are racial differences throughout history, the racial categories that we draw are societally based. There is nothing inherent about black people that make them more likely to have negative stereotypes. There's nothing inherent about white people that make them more likely to be a dominant group in society. There's nothing inherent about the skin color of, of various Asian people, even though that's not even consistent because we just classify them as Asian, that makes them have whatever values we assign to Asian people. Those are boxes that we drew. Perfect example is Irish people. Irish people in the early 1900s and late 1800s were not considered white. They were pushed into the same. That's yeah, they, not a disputable. That's not even disputable. That's not even disputable, Michael. They were discriminated against. and They weren't you, considered you, white. You would have a better argument if you pointed to the Southern Italians. Uh, for instance, the largest mass lynching in American history was against Italians in New Orleans. You might say that in certain parts of the South, they were considered lumped in as black rather than as white. Even that is kind of overstated. That's not Uh, overstated. Based on? 
based on American history. I mean, listen, I've, well, I, I've, I've, I've sure looked at and researched a lot of American history, and uh, um, Irish people were not considered in a specific in the same racial category as white people. They, they were, were they were distinct a, from the English. There's a certain thing. Even if you go to Irish, uh, if you go to Ireland now, there's a thing called Black Irish, right? And that doesn't mean that they're actual Black people. They just like are Irish people with like slightly. Yeah, it's, a tan, it's, a it's like a slightly yeah. tanner white, but it's like. Even just that, just being of a different uh, nationality that wasn't considered conducive to broader white American culture deemed you as not being white. Well, in the same of. way there, that yeah, Barack there, there Obama is, in the same way that Barack Obama is equally as white as he is black, but he's considered black. Right. Yeah, he, did, he didn't run as Barry Sotoro, which is which is the name he went <laughs> he by for much he of his he life. Yeah, he, he went as Barack Hussein Obama yeah. because he thought that would give him an electoral advantage. Well, I mean, it probably has something to do with both his dad on his African side doing that, but I don't think he just changed. But he went by a different name. He went by Barry. He went by, his nickname was Barry in his childhood. I, I think he's always been named Barack. No, but he didn't, he didn't present himself that way. Even My the, name even is the last Joshua name William Joseph. I go by JJ. If I said I'm going to go by Joshua Joseph on the ballot, that doesn't mean I'm trying to, I'm deserting my name and I'm going with that name to get me electoral advantage. That's just my government name. Look, Pop. Politicians do this. His all the government time. name wasn't Barry, is what I'm telling you. That's was his nickname. Sure. So, so why did he go by a different name for much? Because of his life? he's running for. Pre- I'm not going to run for president as JJ. That's a colloquial term that people who are close to me refer to me as. If you want to know who Teddy I Ken- am, Teddy Kennedy ran for ran for office as Teddy Kennedy. Well, Mitt ran, Romney ran, ran for, for office for not Robert. as Willard. Mitt Romney ran as as Willard. Yeah, I'm saying well, Ted Kennedy ran as Rob. He ran Robert as Kennedy Robert was Kennedy. his brother. Wait, are we talking about RFK Jr.? Are we talking about no, JFK? Teddy, Teddy Kennedy was a United Oh, States yeah, that was another, I forgot that was another Kennedy. And then his brother was Robert. Yeah, again, but Jack. that doesn't necessarily mean that like there's an electoral advantage in him getting— Bar- I don't think in 2008 America it's an electoral advantage to go by Barack Hussein I think the Obama. only reason anybody— Seven voted. years after 9-11, and we're talking about Hussein I think the only Obama. reason people voted for Obama is because he was uh, an impressive speaker and because they could say they voted for the first black president. I don't think he had any accomplishments other than that. Any whoa, any accomplishments at all? You mean prior to becoming president? Yeah. Or yeah. I think that he was a, a fresh new face. He yeah, was what like did he a, do? He didn't accomplish anything before he was president. Well, I mean, well, he was a senator from Illinois. He was What did he do? Uh, what did he accomplish as a state senator from Illinois? I'm not sure well, as a US senator and before that. I'm not sure what I know he was uh, very outspoken against the Iraq war. I don't know what his what he introduced in the Senate in 2006. Nothing. I'll the answer is nothing. Yeah. I'm going to take you at your face value and just say okay, he didn't. Even then, I don't think that Barack Hussein Obama is the thing that would give him the electoral advantage. I think people voted for him, yeah, in part because he was a black president or he would be a first black president. But a lot of people also voted against him because he was going to be the first black president. Perhaps. I don't know. He, that, he, won, he won a huge portion of the American electorate, a clear majority. I'm pretty sure he, yeah, he won a majority of the electorate. But what were the racial breakdowns? I'm he pretty won a sure, ton of the I'm pretty sure 56 or, I'm pretty sure 56 to 60 percent of white people voted against him. In 08 or 12? Huh? In, in the first in both. round or the second round. I know, he, I know he lost the white vote by a big, by, not a big margin, by like a pretty substantial margin. In the real life? Because he was a terrorist. No, both, both times. Yeah. White people weren't like swooned over by, by Obama and then in 2012 they were like, oh, this guy's trash. Well, white, they white thought people, he was trash the entire time. White people also tend to vote for Republicans. Yeah. And much more likely and, to vote for Republicans yeah, than Democrats. Yeah, no, but I'm talking even white Democrats. Like a lot of them, it, it wasn't, it's not like Obama, I'm pretty sure Obama won no, a majority I, I mean, of the look, white Democrat vote, but if you're talking about the entire nation as a whole. I agree that white Democrats yeah. are racist. I agree. I certainly agree with that. But you're going to agree to everybody racist now. What, what you, well. I agree that some white Democrats are racist. I yeah. agree that the vast majority of white Republicans are racist though. Really? Yeah. What oh, makes you say oh, that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you think, you think America's a racist country? <sighs> mm. 
it's really hard to say no. And the reason why is because how racism has been baked into so many of our institutions. I wouldn't say, I think there's a difference between saying, I feel like when people say, is America a racist country? They're trying to add the like the moral pejorative that it's like, well, he thinks everyone is. No, no, I'm just or, saying or, or, all America's American. a racist country. I think the way in which America has been founded and operated, like, yeah, I think so. Today, it's a racist yeah. country. Oh, yeah. How many, how, many, how many black people have immigrated to the U.S. over the last 20 years? I'm not sure. About three million. Two million from Africa and a million from the Why Caribbean. would they come to America if America was so racist? It's a great question. That is a real great question. Why do you think a lot of uh, Muslim people and a lot of people from the Middle East still come to America despite the fact that they were literally profiled and targeted all after a terrorist attack that really had nothing to do with them in particular? Yeah, I don't remember any anti-Muslim Why did pogroms? Asian people yeah. come to the United States Because it was, they, 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 the they faced very fair and equitable treatment. That's why. Asian Exclusion Act, Chinese Exclusion Act, Asian Bar Zone. Oh, well, you're talking Japanese you, internment camps? You, what fair and equitable treatment are we talking about? We're, I, I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about. No, I'm saying, today. I'm saying, but you're saying, why would they come here? They come here now because obviously America's gotten better. No one argues that America hasn't gotten better. But you ever say if it's racist, if, if America is actually hostile and discriminatory that's against not, black people, well, I mean, why would three doesn't need to come be, in, in 20 years? Well, at, whew, well, first of all, if we want to talk about black people who immigrate here, yeah. um, oftentimes they come here with, I'm not going to say they come here with a preconception about African Americans here, but there's a demographical difference between black people from Africa who come here or from other countries that come here yeah. and from African Americans that are, are actually already here. So a lot yeah, of them will immigrate true. here from backgrounds of, uh, or coming over for college, or maybe they already had a family member from a wealthier background that is sending them over for college. That makes up a lot of um, especially a lot of work visas will go to Nigerians and Indians because they're working in tech industries and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not like these people are, and because in general, maybe wherever they're coming from, the economic opportunity is probably better in comparison to their country. That doesn't mean that they did a holistic review of the race relations of the United States and determined this country isn't racist anymore. I'm going to take my chance over there. Presum yeah, it's Presumably better than they it. thought about it before they immigrated. I don't think that it's a You don't think they thought, is it a good I idea to move across I'm, the world to this evil racist country? Or, you don't think that that, 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 that passed through their mind? Because A, I think that a country can have done evil racist things in the past and you can still But you're saying today to. it's still racist. I think it's still racist, yeah. There you go. Yeah, but I don't think that that's a determining factor in the, so you're saying that if I go there, there's an increase of likelihood that I'll face discrimination. Cool. But if I go there, I could also get a job that's going to make me way more money than over here, even if I'm Sounds poor like you're not over being there. discriminated against at all. And wow. in fact, we know that it's much, uh, you're much more likely to get a job today for a big company if you are identifying as a person of color rather than as a white person. When? Yeah. So, okay, so one of my favorite studies in, in sociology is when they'll do application studies and they'll um, change up things like uh, maybe they'll provide a picture or they'll do names, right? Mm -hmm. Since 1985, there has not been any change in the likelihood of getting a callback for a job when you are black. And according to these sociological studies. Un un according to scientific consensus in sociology. Okay. This is, now, this let, is me, let me raise another prospect to you. There was a study just came out, an analysis by Bloomberg, mm -hmm. of 88 companies in the S&P 100. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was over uh, hiring practices over the last few years mm -hmm. because the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity, uh, commission uh, requires that big companies with, with more than 100 employees publish their work workforce demographics. Yeah. And over the last couple of years, 94% of people who have been hired for a job for any of those companies have been persons of color, which is pretty crazy because the country is 60% white, which means the only way they could have arrived at that number is by actively discriminating against white applicants and giving an advantage to well, persons of color. I'm going to assume that 
I can't even assume that your numbers are 100% correct. They totally are. Are they? You can Google are, it right You're going to trust right. me that I'm going to look it up and it's going to say that 94% of people yeah. hired for a job at these few corporations. Not few. It's 88 of the, top, of the S&P 100. They're talking about the biggest companies in America. We're, talk, we're saying that the, the workforce, 94%. Of the new hires, yeah. 94% of the new hires. How many new hires? Uh, so, Because you do understand that you could have exactly. a high proportion of new hires be hired as minorities and the overall makeup of the company could still be white, well, sure, but we're predominantly just, white. We're, uh, we're talking about the, the policies in place. Today. So we're talking about policies so, 50 years So 88 ago. of the top 100 companies are attempting to increase their diversity by hiring higher rates of minorities, and that means that the racism is gone? No, it means that there is new racism against white applicants. If only six oh, percent, means that if only six percent of the people why, why would they? Why would they need to hire? Because we have we have de facto and de jure racial discrimination in employment against mm-hmm. white people, and to a lesser degree against. There's Asians. de facto racism. Do you know what de facto racism means? Mm-hmm. Or de facto discrimination? Yeah. What does it mean? So de jure racism would be as a matter of explicit law, and de facto would be as a matter of implicit practice. And in the case of affirmative action policies, it's actually both. Well, actually, no. Well, de facto would be as, de facto would be, so the way I like to think about it is when we had, uh, when we look at public schools today, there's still a lot of de facto segregation left over from the Jim Crow era because there was no And because students self-segregate. Yeah, well, because they were put in a condition in which they were already mostly segregated. So you can't, there's No, even really... in mixed schools, I'm saying. There have been a lot of studies on this, and it's very odd because a lot of people want, don't, don't like there to be self-segregation, but it happens. Often. Yeah, it'll happen because of different like, cultural backgrounds and everything, yeah. but that is compounded with the fact that there was never a real um, ability to fully desegregate public schools. And federal was... busing with the National Guard. What? Yeah, and they, and they struck that down. <laughs> That was, and it's funny because Joe Biden, back at it again, he was opposed to the, uh, the forced busing and everything along with a lot of white America at the time. And in 2007, Chief Justice Roberts, they had the uh, Supreme Court decision where they decided that attempts to desegregate public schools by trying to, by assigning kids to schools based on like racial background to try to like create a more even mixture was unconstitutional. Right. So even when we were trying it, it gets struck down and it gets struck down. So you still have not a properly addressed situation, which is going to, if you're spending all your life around people around the same skin color of you, then when you get in the area, even though there are more people of different skin colors, you're probably going to be more comfortable with these people around you. And that's due to circumstances that was not yep, No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disputing the fact that there, but that there are, uh, are people. When I was talking about de facto segregation, and the reason why is because it's, it's vestiges that are left over from policies that used to be in place and not a serious act to, to correct them. So how in the world is hiring majority minorities in recent years at corporations, 94%. how is it virtually de facto segregation when the whole reason why they're doing no, that is because of the policy? I'm saying it's racial discrimination. Or how is that de facto discrimination based off of the, when, well, un- the, unless, when unless, the vast majority of the people at the corporation will A, still be white, and B, the whole reason why they're doing that is to correct for the well, you might say it's, you might say it's good discrimination, which I suppose is what you are saying. But mm-hmm. it just is. It never. I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't say it is good or bad discrimination because I don't. Again, assuming that the new hires are are really ninety four percent minority mm-hmm. applicants, um, I think that you could say that it's it's a discrimination in a sense because they're attempting to. Correct. A yeah, you're saying it's it's a good thing because it's it's correcting a wrong discrimination. Yeah, yeah. But again, I'm just telling you, it 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 undermines the argument that you're making, which is that America today is but, racist against. But but you do understand that if you but you do understand that if okay, whoa, because first let me say 
you do understand that even if you did hire at a 60% clip for white people, because that's proportionate, right? You do I'm not saying that you, no, 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 but you, I don't think you need no, to take it. No, but you're saying you said it was crazy because look, it's yeah. I mean, if you can so take perhaps you can white people so stop is, being able to do any job. Is sixty percent is sixty percent minority uh, an issue, or is it just because it's ninety four? When's I, the threshold? I don't. I don't think that we should have racial quotas for hiring. Is it? A it's also quota? illegal. It's not the same. <laughs> that is illegal. So it's not a quota. You can. You can. Right, a compelling state interest to do like have diversity, but right. there's not so, saying you need to have X amount of black people, X amount of white people, X about it. That's not so. As a, what as a matter of day, you're a policy. We have affirmative action, which is a kind of racial discrimination against white people and to a lesser degree Asians. And as a matter of de facto hiring policy, we have clear racial discrimination because How is of the 94 affirmative people. action. I'm sorry. How is affirmative action discrimination? Because you're giving preference to one race over another. So. If you're let's dis- let's you're let's say let's say let's say that well again and it's not even affirmative action isn't even necessarily saying that you need to choose one person over the other it's, it's just giving an advantage no but it to takes one race over account. another mm, I wouldn't say that because again if we're talking about if we're does. talking about advantage yeah. right how and how is it that an advantage is provided to a group of people when they are given more opportunity to actually succeed at a level that's more proportional to what they should have been doing otherwise. So if you put a bunch of institutional barriers, right, and you say you cannot come here because of race, right, you're making an arbitrary decision or you're, because I'm saying back when college. Chinese Exclusion Act, say. Yeah, something like you mean? that. Okay. Something like that, okay. right? If you then proceed policies, if you then put in place policies and say, okay, these people make up a certain subsect of our population, they live in this society, they should be participating and we just decided that they're not going to participate because of the color of their skin. Then if we say, all right, let's give more opportunities to them now. Do you see the problem if you were to then cry discrimination again? Because then what is the alternative? If we just stop ha- having racial anything, no consideration of race, right? It's the, the, the fallacy of colorblind law. Is What's that, the fallacy? As in no law is truly colorblind. If you're talking about, so if we're saying, okay, we're not going to have anything racial uh, in it, right? We're just going to hire um, according to a proportion of the population, which again you're going to have. But, to do no, that I'm not that. suggesting but that. Though. I'm saying we just don't, hire we don't at have all. Quotas. So not only by by factors of sheer math are you going to have way more white applicants, you are neglecting the fact that the reason why you have so few minority applicants isn't just because they're applying at a proportionate rate and you're just saying no because you're being discriminatory. They aren't even getting the tools to get there in the first place because tools? of policy that affected them in the past. What policy? So when we talk why about, are they at a disadvantage? Why are they at a disadvantage? We can talk about black people in particular. We can talk about um, redlining and housing discrimination. We can talk about um, the we can talk about the after effects of slavery and debt peonage that no one talks about. I noticed that uh, that I never see you guys like cover Daily Wire cover or, like anything when it comes to the history of black people that accurately under like explains where we are at today mm-hmm. because the last chattel slave released in America was actually in 1942. And that's not like a that's not like a crackpot theory. That's because um, right after segregation or right after slavery, the South didn't kind of just like give up and be like, "Oh, you got our slaves. Our economy is just gonna go along now." They attempted to have a system in which they re-implemented it. Oh, look, so there, there are over nine do, million slaves around going around today, not in the United States. Yeah, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So, um, how, how does it not? Because we're not talking about the historical, or that we're not talking about the context of people who are no, I'm living just in slavery out, conditions sl- around the world. I'm saying slavery is practiced everywhere around the world today. What does that mean? It means forced servitude. Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm not saying what does slavery mean. What does it mean that is practiced in multiple places and everywhere today? Does that mean it's okay? No, it's very bad. But uh, so what I'm saying is, we're basically the only guys that ever stopped it 
in all of human history. <laughs> we in the West, yeah. That's funny. What do you mean by we in the West? I mean uh, Europe and the uh, uh, countries that came out of the European colonies are the only part of civilization ever that decided to end the practice of slavery. And they Where did so for slavery, explicitly Christian Where reasons. do you think that slavery was most popular? Uh, well, uh, it was the Muslim pirates who were oh, some no, of the that, largest no, traders No, no, that's the, that's the sheer, and, when it comes to the trade of the barbary, the barbary slave trade. No, not sheer, just. No, uh, yeah, I'm talking about that, uh, the barbary yeah. pirates. That's in sheer number-wise, like compared to the transatlantic slave trade with African-Americans in particular, yeah. it's a bigger number. Yeah. But I'm saying, where do you think it was most popular? You're taking that one instance you're of slave trading. You're saying today trading. or? No, I'm talking about historically. You're taking that one instance of slave trading yeah. and you're neglecting no, 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 all the slavery that others. was going on in Western countries. If you count up that number, no. that's significantly no, no, no. more than the barbary no, I, I, slave. I'm saying even like slavery today, for instance, in uh, Africa is still practiced. Mm-hmm. There's a, a candidate for the president of South Sudan who himself was a slave and has been speaking out about the problems of slavery all around the world. Okay. At the height of the transatlantic slave trade, there were more slaves who were held in Africa than were shipped over to the to the New World. So I'm saying this, Ooh. and this has been true in East Asia. Oh, that, this has been true okay, so, in the Middle East. And this is because, so this is, this and this is because you're failing to, to draw a distinction between what slavery we're talking about. These societies did have slavery, and mm-hmm. that, again, has nothing to do with American history. But when we look at There's the There's a context, lot to do with, it, with the history of slavery. No, I'm talking about around the world. The fact that every other nation or other nations practice slavery has nothing to do and with the context. And continue yeah, throughout every so other region of the world. So does America. If you if you look up you any mean, study, if you look up any source that tells you how many slaves there are in the world, they'll say there's like seven million in Africa, and they'll give you a number about four hundred thousand to a million in America because based of on sex their slavery. criteria. Sex slavery because of, like, of sex slavery of the yeah. people being held by the yeah. cartels on the open border. Yeah, so no, it, it, yeah, in the in the United States, yeah. literally in right. our country. Because, so, because for instance, like our southern borders open, and so the cartels. Our southern borders open. We have we have uh, over three million people a year come into the country illegally, so it's open. Does that mean that it's open? Effectively, yeah. If you can't stop three million people from crossing your border, you're probably you a pretty open border. To, do you have anything to compare that to number wise? Yeah. So even even uh, five years ago, uh, the number was down to about two thousand people a day, which at that Wait time was an all time high. Is it three million a year? Really? Over three. Million. I'm genuinely yeah. concerned because yeah. I I believe that it was around one. Um, it's not. It's much higher than that. Um, but we have, a, we have a million legal immigrants who come in per year, which is also a shockingly high number, completely out of accord with uh, any other country on earth and any other time in history. But we also have many more millions of illegal aliens crossing into the border per year. Illegal you can look it up. Is a, is a nice like uh, term. But I'm saying like He's a when it comes to foreign national. Uh, that doesn't mean that you have to use the term alien, kind of like. Alien just means a foreign national. Oh. Sort of. I mean, no. I mean, in the term, if you're using like illegal alien and you want to try to. Like that that's like a I don't want to say like incorrect because I know the guys get about like speech and like no, it's, it's I know correct, you guys get yeah. but it's not like yeah. the term alien is kinda like I know you What's talk wrong about, with the I know term you, alien? I know you talked about I'm when, not calling them E. T. I know you no, I'm talking I know when you talked to Bronte you mentioned how using the term fetus is like dehumanizing. I think using the literal word alien is also dehumanizing. But, but you know, alien doesn't refer to Martians. Alien a, refers to those who are not like us of a different. No, it just like, means when, f- foreigner. They're foreign, so they're subject to foreign governments, and they're here illegally. So we say illegal alien. Oh, you this, could also this is a more say, precise term. You could also no, a more precise term would be illegal immigrant because they went through the immigration process illegally. You don't have to say well, alien. They didn't go through any Ill- immigration well, yeah, process. They, That's they why immigrated they're somewhere. Right. So they're dis- they're distinct from legal immigrants. That's or why you we could don't use that just term. say a foreign national. 
Well, but there are not, uh, you know, someone the, in Guatemala today so is a foreign national, but someone who's here who so crossed our border illegally quick, and stays in the country so quick, would be an illegal alien. Quick lesson about like like a, like grammar and connotation, right? So like the term blacks, by our definition of what a racial category is, it is not incorrect to call somebody a black, but it is technically incorrect to call somebody a black because we it's like that's kind of that's a word that's kind of been used to because you don't like the word. What about whites? That's also a weird term. It's like segregation era terminology. That's why I don't use whites. I don't use blacks. You can say yeah. black people or white people. But if you were to look at someone crookedly after they said, oh, blacks, no one would be like, oh, well, it's just the correct term. Because, yeah, terms can, just like the word colored is a correct term. Your skin color has color yeah. in it. White people don't really have color. Well, but- it's funny because now the term is person of color, like yeah. people of color. I, I but but, the, like but the, you know, I don't like that one either. I think it's very silly. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, because I think you, you can be more specific. But yep. the broader point that the illegal alien thing is like, you know that the connotation of alien is like. I think it's. You, a, can, you, can, yeah. you can give me the dictionary what, definition what, do you know, of what alien I, I agree is, with you but. that it has a negative connotation. The reason it has a negative connotation is because it is a bad thing to cross illegally into a country. No, so they've, it's just. They've done a bad no, thing, and that's why it has a bad the reason connotation. Why, is it really a bad thing to cross illegally into another country? Yes, it's illegal and unjust. How? It's unjust to cross into another country. So it's yeah. funny because we're going to get back on morals. If someone was like running from the cartel and they had like, it was a family, it was like a little, some little girls, some, a couple boys with them, mm-hmm. and it was a family that running across the border to escape from the cartel. But that, that's not what happens. They actually yeah, no. you work with the cartels to cross the border illegally because the cartels control the entirety of the southern border. Yeah, and so the, the cartels, exact opposite. And the cartels run rampant within the countries as well. So yep. if you're trying to escape the cartel, and the only way you can You don't do escape that, it by crossing illegally across that border. You, you have could. to work with the cartels to you, cross illegally across the border. Do you think every illegal immigrant is working with the cartel? Yes. <laughs> Practically speaking, yes. Oh. The cartels control the entirety of the southern border. And so, so what if, they do is they pay so off so the cartels, control, and then they end up wait, in a so type of after slavery. They, wait, so after as, they, as after they cross described. over, yeah. do you think that they're still working with the cartel, or did they yeah. work with the cartel? Yes. All they them. owe them a lot of money. They owe them a lot— all the illegal immigrants That's, owe them a lot of money, and they are working with the cartel. Yeah, they. they can you substantiate they, they, that? I can't. That that's how they end up uh, in prostitution, which was how we got on this topic because of modern day sex slavery. Or they end up running drugs, or they end up in other criminal enterprises for the cartel. Well, first, first, who do you think controls the border? Firstly, firstly, um, do you think that prostitution is only a thing that is brought into America through the southern border? No, but like it, it illegal is. Pro- like sex slavery, do you think that's only exclusively done by non-Americans? No, of course not. Where so why do we keep, why do we keep like making this assumption? Like, okay, I, I I'm not making substanti- that assumption. I, I ask you to substantiate that every illegal immigrant that crosses the border is now is working with the cartel. Secretly working with the cartel. Not secretly, they it's no. often open. Yeah, so, and it's funny because doesn't even need to be cartel. They can just pay coyotes who are trained the, at running people the across. Work with yeah, the cartels. yeah, they who do. do you think they work for? At times, but that doesn't mean that the people then work for the coyotes that then work for the cartel. Do you think the cartels just let these people off the hook out of the goodness of their heart? They ferry them. Do across you think the that border? they have? Do you think that the cartel has a database of the three million illegal immigrants that come across yeah, I think the American they, border? I think they keep track. And do you of think them? they they yeah. keep they keep track of them? They have more what tracking. The, they have more tracking capacity than the United States government, who lost people's parents under Donald Trump. No, when they, they locked them in cages. The, the, when they locked them in cages. They did. The, it's literally an image. Uh, so when it comes to illegal aliens, yes, the cartels actually are better at keeping track of people. But, but two, Than the United States government? Yeah, because the U.S. government just releases them into the country. But it, because that's a, an intentional policy of Democrats. I'm, I'm, but, but do you know what— I'm confused yeah. at, like, how your worldview ends up, like, 
on intent. So it's an intentional policy mm-hmm. of was that kind of like great, repla- great replacement esque? What, what do you mean by great replacement? Like the the theory that um, Democrats or political people are like deliberately conspiring to bring to import more people. Different well, they say that they say that they're doing that. Who? There was a, a major study that came out in 2004 that shaped the political campaign, even of Barack Obama, who described the coalition of the ascendant. You've seen a columns like this in the New York Times by Michelle Goldberg about how the Democrats need to uh, import more foreign people, and that will help the Democratic I don't political think coalition. The Dem- I don't think there's any source that you could find me out there that says that the Democratic Party has said that they need to import more foreign people. If you're saying that they they appeal more to the values of no, 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 but, of immigrants. No, 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 but on they would on, want to. They would want to. I think, I, and I've on, seen on, this on border policy. Yeah, no, I'm, they they favor much higher they levels favor, of immigration and amnesty for illegal. Yeah, they favor here. a lot more levels of immigration because immigration helps the country. That doesn't mean that they're saying. We How does it help the country? Import. It raises rates of crime. It raises rates of whoa, government programs. Whoa, it does. first generation immigrants commit way less crime than native born population. That, that is isn't substan- true. That, that isn't is, true. You want me to look it up for you? Uh, illegal immigrants? Huh? Yeah. Any immigrants, illegal. No, no, no not any. No, no, not any. Any and illegal. That's the key. <laughs> okay, I can look up that's illegal for you too. Okay, that's good. There, there are some good studies to this effect. Uh, the Center for Immigration Studies has some good ones out there about how uh, illegal aliens are significantly more likely to uh, be on welfare programs when they come over here, mm-hmm. and how illegal aliens are uh, more likely to commit crimes as well. And this is especially focused in the border towns, uh, in places like Texas and Arizona and Southern California. Um, illegal. Well. I know that you brought up the the welfare issue. Something about yeah. needing to something about fleeing somewhere and you don't really have anything left could end up putting you on. Welfare. But what are they? But even then, a lot of times you're talking about political out. asylum, huh? Like seeking, like early no, no, said. asylum is a completely separate process. But I'm saying if you're going to run away from your country and come to another country illegally, a a lot of immigrants are hesitant in even getting on that point, and b they still pay taxes to their wages. So they pay some any, taxes. I'm pretty sure there's there's data. A lot of that's that off the books. That they, I'm pretty sure that data out there suggests that they actually pay more into. Uh, welfare that they actually get back because yeah, they're not. Kind of there's something about being like there's something about illegally being in a country that's going to not put you first in line to be under a government assistance program in case they you know find out that you're. No, it's not true. Um, but you, we, this is why we have the concept of sanctuary states and sanctuary cities. Well, this is why Gavin Newsom in California says we're going to be a sanctuary state. This is why New York said please bring all the immigrants here until the immigrants caused a lot of problems in those cities. So that that all happens and the Democrats are pretty explicit about it. Uh, the Democrats are explicit about but favoring higher yeah higher levels so of favoring and, a higher level of, for the ones here yeah yeah so am I Hi, favoring a yeah, higher because it's politically advantageous but it's socially destructive so there's a difference between it's also saying, bad for the people who cross there's a difference between saying I want more immigration than my, I want more immigrants in my country because uh, I want to uh, we should appeal more to them and they can help our country and they we want amnesty for them. There's a difference between saying that and saying we are going to deliberately import people to replace a white population. That's the great replacement. What do you mean to replace? Like you're going to shove it, you As kill the, the white people? As the more brown people that you bring in, the less they breed. They breed with the people in the country and then the concept of whiteness gets like more and more deteriorated until there's not as many white people. That's the great replacement. Uh, yeah, I, I That's mean, what I asked you about. You said, well, yeah, the Democrats are deliberately and you They're, no they're deliberately they're flooding the country with migrants. That's true. How? I mean, but they... Well, by not enforcing their border policy. How are they not enforcing the border? You because know Joe that, Biden allows three million you know people here to come into the country. Illegal. So then, how many and did how many did Donald Trump allow? Because Joe Biden's immigration policy has been mostly similar to Donald Trump. Not really. Few, the num- the numbers were much been. lower under Trump, and the, the numbers in the first months of Trump's presidency, illegal immigration collapsed. 
now at six months out into the rest of Donald Trump's administration, the numbers started to jump back up again. But the reason for that is because the Democrats stymied him on building the border wall and stymied him on, on ICE deporting illegal aliens and made a big hullabaloo about uh, Donald Trump putting families in cages, cages that were built by Barack Obama. Barack Obama did not build those cages. He did. No, he didn't. He did. There's a, there's a completely different process. They, he did. They he literally did. didn't. That's literally just a lie. I mean, I, I think we can get away with lying when, when you couch it. When right. were the that's, cages built? I'm not sure exactly what year they were built. 2014. They were not built by Barack Obama. They, well, he didn't physically build them. No, His I'm administration. not. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying that, that the whole concept of the cages being used to contain these migrants. By I'm the telling way, you when they were built. Pro- you by the tell way, me when they were built. Or you're just insistent that I'm not right about it. I'm saying <laughs> when you say that the that. cages were built by Barack Obama, first yeah. of all, I have no evidence that his administration constructed the cages. And even they if did. they did construct the cages, they were not used as cages for people. You do understand they, that, well, right? Even the, whole the, even why the, term the, cages the whole reason why the Democrats made a big hullabaloo yeah. about containing people in cages is because a bunch of migrants were coming across the border mm-hmm. and then the Trump administration were shoving them in cages. There was no distinction between whether or not they were applying for asylum, which the UN said that we violated international law on that front. Please. You can roll your eyes about international law, but, but they're, the process, they're not, no, they're because the asylum. process, they're economic. how do you know that? Be- because we, you, have, we you, have 60 years of data no, but, on migrants. So you and have, they're, they're but, majority, how? vast majority economic migrants. No, yeah, you can say a lot of them are economic migrants, but the you have majority. no way of knowing that if you stop them as soon as they come across the border and throw them in a cage. The legal process that we agreed to on a national front is when someone is declaring asylum in a country, they go across that border, go to the nearest station, and they declare their thing for asylum, and then they get refuge while we await the process. What do you think the cages the, are? Though? It's not like literally a dog cage. It's, it, is, it literally looks like a dog cage, and they had foil oh. blankets. They lit... You you can Google pictures of it. You get uh, sure they didn't throw them in well, a. I remember in the, the cages. Sure they the didn't throw them in a Rottweiler cage, but they, they threw them. Yeah, in, but it was they a, threw it was them a processing cages. center because there were millions. Of a people. processing center. What processing were they going through? They lost people's parents. They were sitting there. There were disease breaking out. There was yeah. foil blankets. There was really the no element child of processing. Just died under the Biden administration in the yeah. same issue. But of course, it, the media never made a big a big deal about it. Because I'm they, saying. They well, ac- right. actually, if you well, I mean, if you've been paying attention, they, Biden has been having a lot of criticism about how his immigration policy, like I said, has not been that different. To yeah. I don't. Trump. I don't see the crying AOC photos like we saw under Trump. Furthermore, well, do though, you want? Goes, do you think AOC is supposed to go to the border and take a separate picture under every president about? No, I think it was. A, I think it was a cynical ploy, and she wasn't even near the centers when she did it. She was. She was outside of a fence and posing for a picture. But even even beyond the the processing of these people, there was there was a, a survey that came out from Fusion and uh, Amnesty International reported in the Huffington Post. So we're talking about liberal organizations. What percentage of illegal alien women and girls who cross that border illegally do you think are raped or sexually assaulted? I'm not sure. The the number is between 60 and 80%, which gets to exactly what we were talking about uh, when we were discussing the cartels. So this is a terrible... Um, In 2018, the illegal immigrant criminal conviction rate was 782 per 100,000 illegal immigrants, 535 per 100,000 legal immigrants and 1,422 per the one, per 100 native born Americans. That is double illegal immigrants. Um, according to which? Uh, this is according statistics. to the Cato Institute study. Well, that's a Cato Institute. It's a pro-migration think tank. But what, where, where, what is their Institute data is, set? Huh? It's libertarian. What, what, yeah, what it's is libertarian. Their, where's their data set from? 
Well, I guess they, they've conducted multiple studies on the topic of immigration. Yeah. I'd just be kind of curious to dig into those data. You can look it up. This is, this, it's not even just Cato. I can find you another one. There is no, there yeah. is no data that you will find out there that says that illegal yeah. or legal immigrants commit more crime. Well, I'm focused specifically population. on illegal here, and I think we could. Illegal either. Illegal okay. does not commit. Unless, unless even, you, even, even if you count the one crime of yeah. crossing the border illegally. <laughs> That's a pretty still, big one. Yeah, but you still don't get to the native-born population. Yeah, of course you would, because then 100% of illegal aliens would have committed a crime. Yeah. But, but to your point, and this is where some of these numbers get a little fuzzy, which is why the data are hard to get here, they're not convicted because they're not processed because they're operating outside of the, the st- standards of the law. And they're doing that because the political leadership in this country wants to keep them that way because they think it gives them political advantage. Mm. Um, I was looking at, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I apologize that I didn't necessarily hear everything that you said because I was trying to look at the... Uh, <laughs> Scientific American, I'd find you some other data about the crime Ooh. statistics. I didn't know they were uh, immigration experts over there at Scientific American. You can analyze data. They talk about, uh, you can, that's a, that's a sociological study. If you're trying to analyze the behavior of people and the likelihood to commit crime, mm-hmm. that's sociological. Look, I have no doubt that, that uh, left-wing and libertarian groups uh, want to make Scientific American is a left-wing oh, yes. group now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Scientific American. I guess, I guess if we're Delulu, then. Editorial sure. bias. It does. I mean, well, I mean, I could, you could, you could go to Scientific American and you could take issue with methodology or debunk it. But if you're just going to say, well, it's left wing, no, no, I'm just saying it, it has, a, it does have an editorial perspective, which is left wing. But and, and it's kind of silly that. Well, the editorial, to, yeah, yeah, an editorial perspective where it's like what articles that you're talking about on like given topics. It yeah. could be, but if the data, I just the data, then the data. Is I think that that's kind of my point, though, is the notion that Scientific American would be publishing a study on. U.S. immigration policy what did you, and politics. When you say someone, like Scientific American, do you think that Scientific American is just like we put a chemical in a beaker and then this is what we Yeah, have. well, initially Scientific they were focused American? on natural science Sociolo- and not immigration sociology policy. Sociology is a science. Well, it's a... It's a or social sciences are like, like when you talk about... Um, when you talk about statistics and uh, how those apply to by that standard, all of observational studies, though, right? Huh? By that standard, all of politics is a science. There are scientific elements to politics, but if we're if we're and trying a, to, if a we're lot gonna, of no, but if we're gonna, institutions, you can uh, use science, so you can use science to, to analyze because politics is a social system. So you can look at how people behave. You want to determine the likelihood that somebody votes for candidate X over candidate Y. There are things that you can measure. You can do observational studies trying to see. Um, well, like, you know, this actually brings us full circle, even though I know I've kept you longer than, than we were supposed yeah, to. Yeah, I think I've been getting calls. From you ha- but but if this actually does bring us full circle, which is back to different modes of inquiry and knowing things, mm-hmm. because we've arrived back at a very politicized type of science, which is uh, to use a scientific and clinical jargon to mask political priorities that, that derive from deeper first principles. And so I guess the question I'd leave you on, we've covered a wide range of topics. We have. I forgot later. how long it's been since we talked about abortion. So did I convince you on anything? No. <laughs> I thought I'd, along the way you Not agreed with bit. me in a few different no, I No, I didn't agree with you. I think what you're talking about is when mm. I said I'll grant you that, they, that the fetus has human rights. But I I, the point is, no, the point was for the sake of argument, a fetus has rights according to everyone else. But even if they do, the one right that they don't have is the same right that no one else has, is the right to use somebody's body without their consent. So is there not a, so that's special not a contradiction there? No. Between the right to life and the right to uh, an abortion? No. Because I think that if you're saying, it depends on what you mean, the right to life. I think everyone has a right to life, but you don't have the right to life at the expense of the body of a person without their consent. So you can live, uh, you have the right to life. Like, you shouldn't be why do, you have, why do you have a right to life? Why do you have a right to life? I feel like I don't have an accurate depiction of what 
you entail by the right to life. And it's saying the right to You just said we have one, though. Yeah, no, I'm saying you can have a right to life. Because I know you guys say, like, well, everyone has a right to life. You can have that, however you want to think about that, as long as it's not at the expense of another person's body without their consent. And that's something that's consistent. Do you think the right to life is derivative from some other right? That some other right would come before the right to life? I don't think any rights come before a right. I think they're kind of coexistent. You don't think have they're all, they're all identically. Uh... Yeah, you don't have one without the other. It's kind of like a system. If I took away the right to life, well, then you can't have bodily autonomy. So because true, because you, you die. But if I take away the right to bodily autonomy, you still you, could have the right to that, life. No, that's like me saying like you're free or whatever, and I set you free into a desert. It's like, yeah, you're free to do whatever you want, but you have nothing at your disposal. You're probably going to die think, very quickly. So I if I say that you don't have the right to bodily autonomy, but you have the right to life, well, yeah, you have the right to life until someone needs your body to use, and then they're plugged into you. And yeah, you're still alive, but what kind of life is that? No, right? well, those are distinct things, right? No, it's not. For, uh, those aren't Autonomy and life are not distinct things? No, I'm saying, they, I'm saying they're as distinct things oh, in yeah. the sense that— No, I think but I think no, but I'm saying that. Point. No, I'm saying that I can say that you have the right to life. You could still be alive. But what kind of quality of life are you going to have if we don't don't have— Mothers are usually happier than— I'm saying if we don't have bodily autonomy as a rule, and I say you can have the right to life, you just can't have the right to bodily autonomy. Well, you can have the right to life. I could be walking around, but if if the government comes a-knocking because somebody needs my specific blood type— they can just abduct me and use me as their blood, as their as their donor. But that's not a good quality life, we wouldn't say. So you don't have one without the others. Do you have the right to shoot heroin right now? Uh, no. I you think don't. So a, you don't have bodily autonomy? No. Because, again, that's when, you, when you're looking at heroin or something like that, the same reason why it's not treated the same thing as marijuana. Because heroin not only is an inherent danger to yourself, which is taking into account someone's bodily autonomy, because it's like, yeah, you have the right to shoot up the heroin, but in shooting up the heroin, you're probably going to be killing yourself or oh, no, endangering, or endangering other people. Yeah, but you would certainly be hurting yourself. Yeah, right. but so, it's not like, so, like so, something like marijuana. I think you should have the right to, to smoke marijuana because those two things are completely different. But levels. we're talking about heroin. So yeah, so for case, heroin, no. At least for in marijuana, heroin, yes. At least in the case of heroin, you are saying that it is perfectly fine for the government to restrict my bodily autonomy to stop me from doing something that would harm me, like heroin. Um, yeah, and that in in. Yeah. So now, we, now we, yes. have, we have limited bodily autonomy. Yes, bodily autonomy has limits. I'm yeah. not saying it's an absolute thing. And the same thing so that I don't saying, think the right to life is an absolute thing. In the, in the example of self-defense, we all agree that if so, you kill someone in self-defense, you are, they don't necessarily have the right to keep on living if they're trying to kill you. Yeah, sure. In the same way that bodily autonomy, you don't have the right to like, yeah. my, my right to bodily autonomy ends where so, your clothes begin. So, like so bodily autonomy is worth circumscribing to stop you from shooting heroin but not worth circumscribing to, to stop you from killing a, your own child. Uh, again, if you say killing your own child, that gives ending the, con- the pregnancy, to whatever ending you the say. pregnancy, no, because pregnancy is a biological process that happens within a given group of people, and they shouldn't be subjected to go through it at any given point just because the government's going to arrest you or prosecute you otherwise. Okay, all right. Because again, I guess. consenting to pregnancy doesn't mean you're consenting to staying pregnant. So if you, it is your belief that uh, heroin. Heroin has more value than your own child. The right, yeah, the right to shoot heroin would be no, more valuable Michael. than protection. And I know that more I, conducive to flourishing. Oh no, Michael, and I know that you know that. But well, yeah, I, I think that's wrong. The, but I, I appreciate the couching, though. Like I know that you know that that's not what I meant. But I, yeah, I, I think it, I think deep down you know that's not true. But but you no deep you've down you've had I, errors of reasoning that have no because again I think that. that everything has limits. I think that your right to life ends if you're trying to aggress on another person and you're trying to kill them. 
And, and it's funny, I'm not going to go as far as to say that, a, that a, the development of a fetus is necessarily an aggressor on that, but you're violating somebody's um, structural integrity, their bodily autonomy, especially if they don't want it. At the end of the day, the process of pregnancy is going to be violating your bodily autonomy to a certain extent. If you're okay with that, then that's completely fine. You're okay with that. If you're not okay with that, you shouldn't be forced to continue with that. So I think that body autonomy can be limited in like shooting heroin, but I don't think it should be limited in that if at any given point someone is to have sex with you, then you have to continue with that. And I think that if we are going to say that, oh, well, I like the person. way you phrase that. Someone is to have sex with you, not that you. Have yeah, sex because sex. I no, because even though like rape is rare, right? It's very but like, what do we? Rare, yeah. But like. Is a, fetus, is a fetus any less of a person if it's conceived through rape? No, and I don't think that killing a baby so, does the crime. So, again, so it's like if we're to say that bodily autonomy isn't really that important and... Uh, and no, it matters within its proper place. Yeah, so we're not rape is not one of those. Yeah, no, that's a horrible crime. But killing a baby is not going to again, undo a horrible crime. It's just going to compound that by adding another crime to it. It compounds it either way if you have to carry to term and subject your body and your bodily autonomy to the process yeah, that it's you a terribly didn't painful consent thing. to begin. It's a terrible crime, right? So why is one... So it's, it's funny how we talk about, oh, equal value, equal life. You're playing this calculus game where you're saying, well... It's not worth killing a baby. That, that's completely no. Different. I'll tell but you exactly. no because you're no because you're saying that this fetus has this particular amount of value, and we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't circumvent, or we. It doesn't matter what like bodily autonomy you're saying about, because at the end of the day, you're killing a fetus. But when a woman is even in the case of rape, which admittedly is rare, even in the case of rape, yep. you're saying, well, you know, it's terrible crime, terrible crime. Yep. But but no, what I'm, what I'm saying, is. what I'm saying is that certain rights are derivative of other rights, and certain rights are more fundamental. So. So in this case, the, the conflict is not between the rights of the woman and the rights of the child, but rather the right to life and the right to, you say, bodily autonomy, which I don't think is a good definition of liberty, but let's just, let's just say it is. Uh, the, the right to life is not just one right among many, but it's the fundamental right without which none of the other rights exist. I don't think that they Well, the, the reason is because if you're not alive, you don't, you don't have the ability to exercise any other But if you are alive, but what is the worth in being alive if you don't have any of the other rights? I if think I there's say, a lot to If I say you have the right to life. If, even if you can't kill a kid. If I say you don't have the right to life, but if I say you do have the right to life, but you don't have the right to bodily autonomy or you don't have the right to like protection or anything, say, right? If you are strung up and you're tortured by somebody, right? You're alive, but I think that the reason why we put so much value on this right to life, which is why I wanted to ask you about it, is because we assume that life is this deistic thing. We tie, we tie a lot of like like we tie a lot of like theology or like like religious aspects to the concept of being alive. Well, all human. When I think that I think that if you don't have life in tandem with the other rights then your life is not worth, like, that's not a quality of life that we should So you're should saying suf- suffering would uh, I wouldn't say we just kill ourselves? No, because I'm, no, Jesus. It, it, I, I, I admire how fast you, like, backflip. Because my thing is, what I'm just saying trying to is, follow these ideas. To yeah, no, but I'm saying, you're not. But I'm saying, um, I'm not saying that because someone's life entails suffering, that means that you just get killed. You're saying, what's I'm the saying, good of life? If no, I'm saying, I'm saying that why are we talking about, oh, the right to life is so fundamental above all the other rights, but if you don't have all the other rights, sure, you're living, but that's no quality of life that you're living. No, Again, that, in the I same think, way yeah, that I think I life think, is still good. I don't think if you're suffering, even if you're suffering an immense amount, that you should So if you just have the right, you think that life is just inherently good, whether or not if you give someone the right to life and no other rights. Hmm? At the end of the day, you're just breathing. No, yeah, I, th- I don't think that suffering uh, so someone, undermines someone could, the someone right Someone could to torture you mentally, torture you physically. That's yeah, very, it's, it's awful. Within the inch of it's your very, life, and 
that's preferable than having to being murdered. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, be, because uh, life always involves some degree of suffering, and uh, some people. Yeah, suffer but more the rights others. that we have in, tan- in tandem with the right to life decrease that degree of suffering. Uh, perhaps I mean people. Not perhaps. Uh, that's a fact. You can't have. I don't know about that. You can you can get all the way up to being beat within the inch of your life, JJ. and as long as you're still breathing, you're good on that. But I'm saying we need to have all of them at the same time because do, without one, you would drastically increase the do, amount. Do of people suffering. have more rights today than they did 50 years ago, or fewer rights? I'd say more. More rights. Mm-hmm. Are people happier today than they were 50 years ago, or less happy? I'd say more happy. Well, according to surveys that measure happiness, so take them for a grain of salt, people are significantly less happy, and women especially are both significantly less happy as, as relates to men and in objective terms. And we can see this measured in other ways that are a little more objective, it, like, like deaths of despair, deaths of suicide, drug overdoses, and the prescription of antidepressant yeah, drugs. Yeah, but that's, not a, that's, that's, again, that's a correlation causation thing, where you're saying, oh, because more rights and like less happiness, no, I think, that must mean that one caused the other. No, there are a lot the, of well, unhappiness, socioeconomic pressures and everything that have gone into it since the 1950s. On top of that, I'm pretty sure a lot of women were lying about the happiness in the 1950s because you really didn't have rights. I don't rights. know why you would think that. Why How? they wouldn't be lying now. Why would they not be lying now? Because they don't really face any social, as much social persecution for lying. So you're just saying, I just don't want to believe that, no. that this, this I'm chart you have to contradicts t- I'm my saying view. You know, humans could, could are, true. what do you mean, what chart contradicts? Well, even the, the if, chart oh, I'm of saying, self-reported The happiness. chart that you're even saying, even if I just made up everything I just said, the chart isn't even saying what you're saying it is. Because you're saying because there are more rights, and look, less happy. That means well, that more I, I rights equals less happy. I can't That's help not, but look. I mean, my, you're taking a leap that isn't I, I don't believe there that what, what you're bringing up. I don't believe that what we call rights today really do constitute rights, like the right to abortion. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but notice that over the exact same time period of the rise of feminism, that women's happiness has diminished not only in line with the happiness of men, but also relative to men. They've got, become even less happy than men, who have also become less happy. Mm-hmm. And it would seem to me, look, I'm not saying I think it's firm, with the rise but it would seem likely that there might be a correlation. With the rise of uh, the increase in black rights and black humanity, happiness has decreased. I'm not sure that black people people have more rights today. You're not sure that black people have more? Well, then you agreed with me that America's racist, right? No, I don't think that America's racist. I mean, I agree with you on some things. Uh, I don't don't agree with you that America's racist. No, you just said that we don't have... No, black people don't have anywhere near the right to life that they had before Roe v. Wade, which is why more black babies are born in the womb in New York City are born. Oh, boy, now i got to teach you about some racial issues. If you ever looked into why that is that... More because I can give you an actual uh, correlation that has a probably stronger likelihood of being true. The reason why a lot of black people get way more abortions is because lower socioeconomic status depends. I'm not saying why they get it or not. I'm just saying that they're they're less likely to enjoy their right to life. Uh, They're they're less likely to have the right to their mother and father. I'm going to operate in in your framework. I'm going to operate in your framework. Yeah, they are very less likely to have a right to life. That's a very sad thing. So I don't think black people have more rights. That's a product of systemic. That's a product of systemic racism. I think it's a product of liberalism. Is what I think, and I think it's a product of the very yeah. I think it's a product of the very things that we are told actually give black people more rights. Things like abortion, things like the breakdown of the family, which I think deprive people. We got told that the breakdown of the family gives people more rights. Uh, You guys take this. Yeah, because the right to divorce, and uh, yeah, and the right to sexual promiscuity and and sex out of wedlock. Okay, wait. Oh, geez, you you throw like so many things at the same time where it's kind of like I don't think that. Yeah, I'm, I don't know how you do it. It's like an AK. But it's like, uh, I don't think that you, I think when you're talking about the rights of, or, or the, the breakdown of the family and everything, I don't think that that's something that, it, it's also like heavily steeped in this kind of 
solar view, like this one view of how a family can operate. And I think that when you talk about mass incarceration, when you talk about all the different social like phenomena that black people have to put through war on drugs and everything. Black people um, are not over-incarcerated relative to the crime that is committed by that demographic. It's not. I know there's a myth that it is, it is but it isn't. Black people are roughly nine and a half times as likely as white people to be incarcerated in the United States, which is a shocking number. This is according to, uh, just in the wake of George Floyd, the Minnesota Bureau of uh, cr- Criminal Incarceration, or whatever it's called, had published these statistics. Mm-hmm. About nine and a half. Uh, but black people commit crimes, general crime, at roughly nine times the rate of white people, and serious crimes nine at roughly times? 10 times the rate. Yeah, and murder at roughly 50 times the rate, and robbery Ooh. at roughly 107 See, and times and the I, rate. That, and you saying murder at 50 times the rate gave me everything I need to know about how you're lying about those statistics. Because I'm not. It's from, the, it's from thir- the Minnesota just took as a 1350 saying that black people commit 50% of murders and everything. That doesn't mean no, that I said they're murder 50- at a rate 50 times higher. No, I'm saying per capita, black people commit murder at a... I'm not saying that the majority of black people commit murder. I'm, I'm saying that... Per capita. Uh, per, black, black people are 50 times more likely than white people to commit murder. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think that you're honestly representing those statistics. I am. It's from the Minnesota government. The statistics have come out just recently in the last couple of years. F- furthermore, you can see that uh, when it comes to likelihood of being arrested... Mm-hmm for a crime, white people are 70% more likely to be arrested for any crime than black people, and uh, uh, white people are 60% more likely to be from uh, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal, I forget the, I forget the last part, but whatever their uh, justice statistics department is, it comes from Mm. them, and uh, white people are 60% more likely to be arrested for serious crimes. There's, there's one exception. More likely, or do they make up 60% and 70% of no, the arrests? No, more likely. Per They're more likely. There's one exception, which is weapons crimes, mm. uh, where black people are more likely to be arrested than white people. But yeah, the, it's just a myth, though, the, the notion that black people are unjustly hunted down by the police or something. It's just completely made up. Um, I think that when you're talking about, first of all, that's not even taking into account over-policing. Because, okay. I think we have a crime problem in the country, which means we probably have, we have a crime problem. Have we always had a crime problem? Well, crime has spiked. It was, it was really it's, bad in the early 90s, then it decreased because of pro-police policies, going, and then no, it's increased again. That's crazy, because the decrease that happened in the early 90s started decreasing before even all the, the crazy mass incarceration policies ended up going into effect. There's a decrease that was, there's a lot of social factors that contributed to why crime spiked in the 90s, but the decrease started before any actual policy even became implemented. And then we started locking Hell of a coincidence. People. We started locking up people at a higher rate as opposed to like uh, the crimes that they were being committed. And we were locking them up for much longer in comparison to other countries. And I the crime rate remained crimes, quite low. Crimes for stuff for like burglary and everything um, and uh, were served at, a, I think, 60% longer in the United States as opposed to countries with similar... Good. I like locking up burglars. I feel a lot yeah, safer. Yeah, except for that, that doesn't fix anything. It That's does because it keeps the criminals in jail and then they don't burglarize my house. Okay. I think that um, I think that that's a, a very simplistic way of looking at uh, criminal justice because it does keep. Criminal, I have a simple view of criminal keep, justice. Yeah, we should lock up the bad guys and protect the good guys. What is a bad guy? The people who commit crimes, what and we should crime? lock them up after they what have due crime? process. It's a, a violation of the law. Is it always just to lock someone up? For well, an unjust law is no law at all, which is why oh. it's so, a species wait, of violence. So, yeah. do you know what jury nullification is? I, uh, I do know what jury nullification is. Yeah, so is, yeah. the concept of when a jury will have reason to believe that someone's guilty, they will acquit them anyway. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah. a, a lot so of very times, unjust. A lot of times they believe that a uh, unjust law is sure. Bad. But I think unjust laws against law. burglary something are perfectly like, just. Yeah, but you, something like marijuana agree? is something that juries tend to nullify on because of the disproportionate impact. Vir- virtually no jury. one is in prison in the United States for simple possession of marijuana. 
Some, sometimes they take plea deals, but it, 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 it's exceedingly rare to, well, for, for that to happen. When you talk and the vast majority of prisoners it's in just state— a, it's, de- it's dependent on the amount of marijuana, because a lot of times it can be simple possession, but if you're caught with the amount of marijuana, they assume that you're a distributor also. And yeah, they, I guess if you got a you big brick way. of marijuana, yeah, you might just be a big glutton for pot, but, yeah. uh, but it's usually plea deals for people who but are I don't think that I don't think when you talk about— keep the bad people away. That's like a fourth grade level understanding. Because like, yeah, you can keep them away, but again, then what happens when they have to come back into society? Yeah, you have to reintegrate them after they've paid their debt to society. Yeah, but again, then that completely depends on what we consider to be bad. Because if we're locking someone up a disproportionate amount of time... Burglary, murder, you know, petty theft, uh, assault. Is that what it is? Because I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of people uh, who are in jail are awaiting trial, and the vast majority of people who are in jail, I'm pretty sure there's more people in jail than in prison. Most of them are waiting for trial, and a lot of them are not intense felony convictions. A lot of the times it's over, over, it can be victimless crime, or it can be like... There's no such thing are, as a victimless crime. Over 60% yes, of... like marijuana possession. No, uh, that creates all sorts of victims. But How? Because you're, you're peddling drugs on society, which... How do you know that they're peddling drugs? And, a, and if they are peddling drugs, that there's a difference between like a recreational one that is used that doesn't necessarily cause any harm or one that's laced. Like, if you're lacing it, then yeah, you should it's go It's pretty to jail. bad, yeah. But, yeah, I think um, marijuana just causes harm. I think drugs generally are, are, yeah, are bad. Yeah. That's why we have laws against them. But but over 60% Again, of inmates in state prisons are there for violent crime, for serious crimes. They're not there for dime bags. In state prison. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to... But, but the vast majority of prisoners are in state prisons, not federal prisons. Yeah, the vast majority of, like, when it comes to drug, it's not, like, drug... Crimes make up like a, a minority of um, of uh, prison convictions. Yes, but I'm saying when it comes to how these people end up in circumstances that they do, what what courses in their lives. I know a lot of people. Um, like if you kill your rapist, you end up you still get charged for that or whatever. And Maybe you do. You do. Maybe it's still a, no, it depends on the circumstances. There's plenty of there's plenty of women who who uh, and I've, I'm actually reading stories about them right now. Yeah, vid- vigilantism is still illegal, um, is it necessarily? On top of that, there there are mental health things that go into one's propensity to commit crime and everything. So it's yeah. like just saying yeah, yeah. the bad people go away and doing nothing about. What we consider bad, and yeah, how I, I, I agree. That I'm all scenario. I'm, yeah. you, it's just a very draconian thing. And if you think that we'll lock up people good, well, I mean, you no, talk about the breakdown of the black family when we went with breakdown the of the family broadly, but when especially we, when we people. look at the lock up the bad people after you all but ensured that they'd be committing a disproportionate amount of crime. By we're not, we're not locking up family men. We're not. We're not locking up. Uh, According to Michael okay. Knowles, we're not locking up. According family. to statistics, we're not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, because black fathers are, I think, four to five times more likely, even when unmarried, to play with, to clothe, bathe, and be there for their children as compared That's to white good. and Hispanic fathers. But we still have yeah. the myth of black fatherlessness. What, is, what does that mean? That means we still have the myth of black fatherlessness, right? Yeah. So there are. Well, well I don't know about are, the myth. I mean, so, the, so when you're saying we're not locking born up, out of wedlock, huh? three quarters of black children almost are born out of wedlock in the United yeah. States. Yeah, and even then. Why is that a bad thing? Be, well, it's, well, for one reason, it's a great predictor of bad outcomes down the no. road. That, that no. Single parenthood is. Out of wedlock is not. Out of wedlock just means that the parents are not married. And that's the statistics I was telling you about. Despite not being married, black fathers are still more likely than any other demographic to be there and raise their children. But we still have this myth in our brains that black people are— Why don't they get married? Why don't they get married? 
There's many reasons for not getting married. A lot of times it can be <laughs> expenses. <laughs> so you, can go down to, you can go down to the court. You, you, not even, that that you, doesn't necessarily like change anything. There's even studies. It's not black, expensive to get married. Yeah, even then, it still doesn't really change anything. Black father, black families that do have married parents still are have way less income and way less upward mobility than white parents who are married anyway. Yeah, but, like, but you're not, you're think, not distinguishing our, between married couples and unmarried couples. Yeah, no, you're I'm saying, yeah, white uniting two incomes together can be a good thing. But I'm saying you don't necessarily or just about more than income. Wouldn't well, you agree? For me, like in a value sense, yeah, I'd say I'd, like, yeah, I'd prefer to get married. But that doesn't mean that people who aren't getting married are somehow wrong or immoral. Or well, statistically, uh, their kids are more likely to end up in prison, more likely to end up on as drugs, and more likely to m- not make a lot of money. single parenthood. That's defined in law as being no, out of wedlock. That, no, That's it's what not. single parenthood is. No, it's not. Well, yeah, they, they don't take into account Couples that are still together but just not married. Those stats are from people who are solely and, and you, who yeah. have sole custody. It's either a single mother or a single father. That, yes, but being raised fr- by one parent is going to drastically increase your outcomes. Of but getting married does not ma- magically make that go away. If they were raising you already, they just weren't married. It it does. It, that the statistic whole out of refers wet- to out of wedlock, not yeah. really to uh, mothers who never it, see it the fathers of parents. their children. It refers to single parents. There is no statistic that out of wedlock, as in you, the parents are still there. Because when it says out of wedlock, it could be— Oh, so you're saying there's no way to measure the you're parents not, yeah, who are still not, there. Yeah. So you're saying there is no statistic for the point that you're trying to prove. No. Right. What I do you agree. mean? You're saying there's no statistic for no, because who are together. That do inco- the, the statistics that do include the parents mm-hmm. that are still together, just not married, show how likely black fathers are to be with their dads. Show their likelihood of positive outcome. The marriage certificate mm-hmm. isn't getting them— such better socioeconomic outcomes because it doesn't matter whether or not you are legally unioned as one uh, income or like two separate incomes in one household. If you guys are both working and bringing in income for your children, you just don't have a marriage certificate. I'm a little skeptical because I haven't seen those studies, but uh, okay. perhaps I, you'll send them over to I me. I can send you. I look forward to that. Uh, in any case, we've gone about an hour over, yeah. but I've enjoyed it very much, I've JJ. Thank you very much for coming on. Did I, did I convince you of anything? No, I don't think so. I think I think the, the the framing and the stuff was a little bit a little bit wonky. At okay, all right. Maybe next time I'll have better luck. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Thank you, JJ. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching. Back See you next time. time.